Howdy, everyone. Welcome to this special episode of Unsafe Space. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by Carrie Smith. And today... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Say hi. Sometimes you don't say hi. Well, I don't know if you're going to say hi or not, or so I just kind of keep that pause and keep going. I'm just not good hello. at this, I guess. <laughs> um, we're we're going to talk to someone that uh, we met when Carrie was speaking at the Better Discourse Conference in Milwaukee in August. Uh, we've been trying to connect with this guy for, I don't know, probably ever since, but schedules have been kind of a, a pain. And... Um, we're, but we're actually very excited because we don't get a chance to talk to someone who is as diametrically opposed to a lot uh, of, at least, I think, a lot of what we talk about. Uh, his name is Justin Gibson. Uh, he's a self-proclaimed social justice warrior. Uh, he recently received his master's degree in biomechanics from the University of Kentucky. He runs the YouTube channel uh, Jangles Science Lad, where he does debates and makes video essays discussing the academic literature on social issues and comedy. You might have seen him debate Milo Yiannopoulos. I think that was uh, a popular one. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at SJWDebates and on YouTube uh, at Jangles Science Lad. We'll put the links to those below in the show description. Uh, Justin, welcome to Unsafe Space. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's good to be here. And the first thing you'll probably notice uh, about me is that I'm terrible at naming things. And I'm guessing that most of your audience rightfully cringed when they heard Jangle Science Lad and SJW debates. That's why <laughs> that's why you should put some thought into the uh, uh, into the you know long term naming or long term branding, uh, if that's what you want to call See, it. Maybe hey, maybe I, I biomechanics was a bad choice. Maybe you should have gone with marketing degree. Oh, well, obviously, I would have flunked out of that real quick. So, hey, I did the same thing with my Twitter handle. I never expected to be doing this now. And so we talk often about how it's a long, uncomfortable word. So I need to change mine at some point. Too. Hey, oh, yeah. I'm, I just, first, before we get into things, I just wanted to thank you for your patience. I know Carter um, arranged this with you back when we were in Milwaukee. And thank you for being so patient while I was traveling because I really wanted to be back home. Oh, it worked out. I, I needed to sleep and not talk to anybody for like a month after Milwaukee. So yeah. <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. It was really, really fun. But I, uh, I'm a huge introvert and I need like I need quiet time after like a big event like that. So I'm, I'm, it worked out. I cool. relate to that a lot. I, I need my I need my recharging batteries without anyone around. So uh, I get that. And I, by the way, I also want to thank you. Um, I don't think either side likes to talk to the other side very much and you've been nothing but pleasant on twitter back and forth trying to schedule debate and you seem like a pretty reasonable guy to talk to so i'm looking forward to this conversation even though i would like to find stuff we disagree <laughs> about and and argue so um with that maybe can, can you can you just start by telling us what do you mean by social justice what are the what are the kind of core ideas that make you say yes i'm a social justice warrior that's those are the things yeah, it's hard to like pin down like a single central tenet of it, but I think what it comes down most to in most contexts is that I want to question uh, the established. All right, this is going to sound. We're already going to start with like the leftist, uh, the rhetoric and the and the and the buzzwords and all that stuff. It's questioning established hierarchies. All right, I can explain what that means in less uh, babble terms, hopefully. So basically, there's a way things are. And um, uh, based on a lot of the research I've done on things like system justification theory, uh, just world fallacies and things like that, I think that we're 
motivated to work, whatever the state of things is right now, we tend to be motivated to say, well, this is how things ought to be because it's really nice to believe in a just world. Everybody is ex- gets what they deserve and everybody is exactly in the place that they deserve to be based on their own merits and things like that. And I think a social justice warrior, uh, at least in the way I, I like to do it, is to question why things are the way they are. Sometimes things are not fair. Sometimes people do not get what they deserve, both good and bad. Sometimes like it's just a sheer cultural inertia that keeps these inequalities going rather than any sort of lack of efforts or or extra effort on the part of certain like uncertain groups. So I think that's what uh, the core of it is. Hey, I have a I have a question about that, Um, because immediately two things stick out to me. One, I don't have any problem questioning hierarchical systems, and I think maybe that's probably why I was I was a self-proclaimed social justice warrior for 20 years. And I like to think that I still question systems. I just, I don't come at it from as much of a dogmatic place as I used to with assumptions built in. Um, the second thing that jumps out as me, it, it jumps out at me is when you say everybody, the idea that everybody gets what they deserve, that we, that the world is somehow a fair place. Do you think the world is a fair place? And do you think it will ever be? I don't think the world's ever going to be fair. I think that's the oh, nature no. of life. Oh, yeah, of course. Not. No, yeah, the world's never going to be a fair place. But, you know, it's like uh, just because you'll never get to the exact perfect utopia doesn't mean it's not worth like shooting for. Like, I don't think I will ever be a fantastic YouTuber or uh, one of the world's best debaters. <laughs> but it could still I still get a lot of enjoyment with the process of working towards it. And, you know, being better than the way you were before, I, I think is good in and of itself to, to work at. And likewise, if we pro- apply it to systems, like things have continually gotten better throughout most of human history with some noticeable hiccups here and there. But we've, uh, you know, fewer people are hungry now, like things have, have gotten better and there doesn't need to be a reason why we can't continue that. I think it's really short-sighted, but it's also very common to think that, well, it's as good as it's ever going to be. Uh, it's as good as it's ever going to be. Uh, we've got it figured out now. We've got all the answers now, and we don't need to continue progressing in a manner that's going to benefit more people. So I think that's kind of the approach I take. So here's the thing that's upsetting me about this conversation so far, aside from the fact that your video is frozen. Uh, so if you've done anything oh, oh, on wait, your wait, end, one sec. fix it. Hold on. I, uh, I can, let me yeah. uh, give me one sec. Okay. Maybe. Okay, now that's there you go. the bad one. Yeah. No, 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 no. No. No, we're not. We're, oh, now okay, you're back in the good one. Yeah, you're fine. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, so far, I've not disagree. I have no disagreement with literally any word that's come out of your mouth so far. So this is going to be a pretty a shitty debate or uh, no, argument. I think we can get there. I, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We're, we're going to need. Yeah, we're going to need to get there because, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you, and I think it's pretty obvious that whatever is happening right now people view as what should be happening and that this is a and i i think both sides of the aisle complain about this sometimes but uh people just look around them at how things are and they're like yeah this is how things should be uh and that bothers me to no end so i'm all about it so far but i sense there's there's got to be more so there's got to be more well, I can tell you why we probably are, are are okay now, like for at least right now. And it's one of so I have like a couple of points that I almost I wanted to bring up specifically regarding like conversations, especially difficult ones where you know you're reaching uh, intentionally reaching towards people who you perceive to disagree with you, uh, especially on places like Twitter. In places where like it's they're meant for like short conversations, which I think is most internet platforms, uh, most uh, especially most social media platforms, we've kind of geared towards a dunking based economy. 
Mm. Does that ring? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to have a discussion on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't stand it. No, I occasionally have discussions on Twitter, but it's very hard. The the medium is not set up that way. And I agree with you. I I can't stand. Well, I guess it has has its function, but I don't really like the dunking culture. Oh, yeah. There's nothing inherently wrong with dunking because one jokes are awesome. I like jokes. Uh, A lot of the research I've done is on comedy because I love comedy. Uh, That's my favorite art form. but it also it when you're dunking on someone, it kind of necessitates poor communication between them. Like so, when you're dunking, you're not dunking towards that person in order to like make them think differently. You're dunking as a performative show to the people who are following you or the people who would be amenable to that position. Which again is not inherently a bad thing. We all need you know we all want to dunk on a horrible person and make us feel better by proxy. Maybe it's not the most healthy way to to go about discourse, but hey, you know we all have our vices. But it intentionally makes it to where you're going to, one, reduce the other person's position to one that is least favorable. So you're you're going to strawman them, and then you're going to make some sort of hyperbole based on that position in order to get the dunk in, in order to get the joke in. Which, again, there's nothing wrong with that inherently, and there's definitely uh, you know bad dunks that are, have nothing to do with the person, and there's good, well-crafted dunks uh, where there's that, that granule of truth that you're just expanding in this way that's more entertaining. But still, even even the good dunks, even the good jokes aren't going to, you know, they're not going to foster this bridge. They're not going to build that bridge uh, in where you might, you know, come to see each other's points of view better. Unless it's really funny. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, so, I have a question about you as a human. I just want to, your background, so I get to know a little more about you and our viewers get to know, have you always had the same beliefs? Would you say you've been social justice warrior for most of your adult life or did you make some transformation? Because if you're not familiar with me and, and I hate to repeat myself for people that know our show, but I was social justice, very loud social justice person for about two decades, um, starting with when I was at Duke University until about four years ago. And and then I had this sort of transformation of thought. And, you know, Carter's had a similar shift, not politically, but religiously. He used to be Christian. Now he's atheist. Like, I know people have shifts in their life. Have you always held these beliefs? Or when did you come into this belief system if you're talking about um uh whether or not i've i've always been on the left uh so i I was never uh unless you count like when i was so i grew up in a really small town in eastern kentucky in which like uh the uh, the opinion was hey we're all conservative here that means you little little eight-year-old justin you're conservative too (laughs) what does that mean oh i liked blue but i guess i have to pick red okay i'll pick red uh so uh i never you know none of those really like stuck but then again I, I wasn't like indoctrinated or anything like that so i'm not you know um not saying that i was indoctrinated because i grew up in this environment but nah, as soon as i started like uh, thinking about things uh you know I, I was pretty on the left and a lot of that probably had to do with like about the time you start uh being more interested in politics for, uh, that coincides with like the development of your sexuality and my sexuality it was not very amenable to the conservative side of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think that had that probably had a lot to do with it. I'd like to think that if I was straight, uh, I'd still be held most of the same views I do now. But, who, you know, who knows? It's it's not worth, uh, you know, it's not worth speculating about. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, let, let's try and get into a, a disagreement because, um, <laughs> I, well, I, I like we could just talk about how, systems suck and there's never any fairness all day long but um one of the one of the issues i have just i I like starting at a high level i'm glad you started at a high level because we could find some common ground but one of the 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 ways i depart kind of immediately from social justice as a concept is 
justice is inherently an individual concept. Uh, in my view, justice is related to actions. Um, so without without uh, volition, uh, that an, like an individual taking actions, they, they can do things that are just or unjust, which is why inherent characteristics aren't just or unjust, like being tall isn't good or bad, being smart isn't good or bad, being you know a certain color isn't good or bad. Um, they're, they're amoral characteristics. Um, having a certain sexual orientation is neither good nor bad, right? They're not, they're not, they're not moral characteristics, but justice involves choices that people make. And, uh, I don't, the, the phrase social justice to me is a undermining the very concept of justice by applying it to something other than individuals, by applying it to groups of individuals, i.e. collectives and collectives don't have, uh, this collectives don't share a consciousness. So you can't judge groups in that way. Oh, of course you can. Like, where do we get our in- – there's no such thing. Oh, so this is something that I, I really want to focus on that I don't think enough people are talking about. So there's enough um, – there's a lot of talk between like uh, genetics versus environment, right? I think that's a, that's a fair to say. That that conversation it comes up on the internet you've probably seen. Or nature versus nurture, that's, which is basically – Yeah, but that's a false dichotomy. I think we can all – Yeah, I was about ready to say that. It's a false dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. Like, it's like trying to figure out like what's more important, the length versus – or the width when you're trying to like, find – Like you don't have to like, – you don't have to pick one or the other. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you can't pick one or the yeah. other. It's like they're – I mean, your genetics don't do anything by themselves. They have to get environmental influences. And so, so for example, our value structures, they didn't come from our genetics. They didn't come, quote-unquote, from the individual because our individual is made up of our outside environmental influences. So, of course, our values and our morality and our sense of right and wrong and our sense of justice, all that stuff is going to come via our environment. Now, that doesn't mean you have to adopt them. That doesn't mean uh, that you, know, you can't change your mind or you can't do your own sort of thinking. But the framework that you're given is going to be ideas and concepts that have been brought to you by your environment. And, uh, again, that doesn't take away individual agency. You can go out and seek more things. Uh, you can go out and change your environment to get uh, exposed to more ideas. But this idea that like, you know, justice is individualized and that we ought, I mean, it would be great if we didn't judge anybody uh, until we saw their actions. Um, but that's a fallacy in that it, that would be great if it did happen, but it does happen. And to, in any time points, you know, anytime like a social justice warrior like myself points out that there are a ton of disparities between different groups and they probably aren't justified. Um, to say that, well, we shouldn't judge people by the color of their skin, for example. Okay, that, that, that's great, but people do. And that's what we're talking about. Well, so okay, this I, is, well, we let can, me, can I interrupt for a second? Sure. Just on that point, because this is one of the things that bothers me about my old belief system is. There seems to be this um, shared, in my opinion, a shared, I think it overlaps with white supremacy a lot. I'm not saying that to provoke offense. I just, there's a couple places where I think it overlaps. One of those places is I think a white supremacist and a social justice person would both say um, it's impossible not to judge someone on the basis of race. Therefore, we must do it. But they have different reasons and they have different ways in which you judge and they they put people in different hierarchies depending on race, but they both say it's impossible to avoid that. And I think maybe that's a key difference of opinion is I don't think that's impossible. I think our society has been progressing. We're, humans are tribal by nature, but the things over which we're tribal about change and we've been progressing towards a place where race is becoming more incidental. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. It, as, as little as it matters to me that you're 
gay and how I'm going to treat you. Um, and, and I think what social justice is doing is trying to push us back to a place where that does matter by saying that that's inescapable, that that's built in, that we always do this. And I don't think it's true. There's other things you can look at that we, that we don't do that about, like, um, like height, for example, I don't treat people differently on the basis of height. You can pick some mundane thing like that, that we don't have as much, um, um, doesn't have as much charge around it and, and look at it and see that as, as an example of like, yeah, we're not tribalistic about that thing. Do you agree that we've been progressing to a place where? Oh yes, definitely. It, okay. Definitely. We're, we're, we are much better than we used to be. Um, in, in some ways, in some ways we have not moved as much as you might think we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely agree. I, and none of those things should matter, but to say that they shouldn't matter again, they do. To some people, just because you don't do these things, other people might. Just because you think that we shouldn't judge people on the basis of the race doesn't mean that people don't, and doesn't mean that uh, pointing this out isn't is being the same thing as a white nationalist. I know you didn't mean that as like a one-to-one comparison, so I'm not gonna uh, no. take, it that, take it that way. But by saying that, you know, if you want to notice racism, if that's something that you think is a bad thing, you have to notice race. You cannot notice racism without noticing race. That's just not how it works. Same thing with classism. You can't notice classism and and things like that unless you notice class so you can't it's like if you ignore the problem then it because because it would be nice if we didn't have the problem just ignoring it is not the solution to solving the problem it's an indirect way of just making yourself feel better but noticing race is different than judging and treating people differently on the basis of race and and social justice ideology to me and maybe you'll disagree on this point but I eventually came to a place where I understood that it was trying to get me to judge and treat people differently on the basis of race in order to end judging and treating people differently on the basis of race. And I, philosophically, I don't think that that's how you end that. I don't think you I don't think you end like, for example, you said earlier, we we're talking about like the world isn't fair. I don't think you end unfairness by being unfair, like the ends don't justify the means to me. And I also just think it's not a. It's not the solution. Like oftentimes, I, I, maybe I got this from Jordan Peterson. I can't remember, but I've heard, you know, and we we talk about on the show how individualism is the antidote to collectivism. Collectivism won't solve it itself. You and know, another I, kind of. Yeah, I can't. I can't stand that. that that's so dumb to me. Because really? Individualism, What's dumb yeah, about in, that? Individualism doesn't work unless it's a collective value. The society has to collectively value individualism. Right. So, so if you, we're talking if you over think about other, individualism. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can a, we lot just of pause? That, a lot of that's yeah. yeah. I, I just want to pause because we are talking over each other and it's not going to go well. I want to step back. We are. Yeah, because uh, I, I had a point that she was that she brought up that I think that. Would, okay, go go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So let's take a. So I don't want to speak for anybody else because I'm an SJW. But let's take my sexuality into <laughs> account, for example. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's take about the sexuality. So I'm super gay. I have a husband, uh, and it's awesome. Uh, which I, being gay is better than being straight. You know, I'm not you know gay supremacist. I'm it's a joke. But let's say that you don't want to see sexuality. That it doesn't matter. Well, maybe that that could be good in the sense that you don't treat me better or worse based on that sexuality. But to just completely ignore that that's thing. So for example, if we're in mixed company, and you know there are let's say we're in really mixed company. Company and a lot of Catholic friends and a lot of conservative friends uh, in, in our mixed company. I don't think it would be unfair to say like, well, hey, maybe I shouldn't bring up his husband, you know, uh, you know, out of just out of the blue because maybe that's going to make things awkward for him. I don't think that's an unfair thing to do. 
I think, in fact, that might even be a good thing, if, especially for a lot of younger people. Like a lot of people, a lot of younger people, you know, struggle with coming out. They struggle with making this uh, known because it doesn't, you know, even if society is getting a lot better, it's still pretty bad. Like I'm not super old. I'm 30 years old, but still half my family disowned me for being gay. This is still a big issue. And it's something that we shouldn't treat the same as being straight because it isn't. Society does not treat gay couples the same as they treat straight couples. And I don't think it's unfair to say that, well, just because we're not throwing gay people off of rooftops, of course that's, you know, but of course we're much, much, much better than that. And that's good. And we should celebrate that. But just because we're not at that level, that doesn't mean we need to like, oh, homophobia isn't a problem because it's not to the, that level yet. Like getting those weird little side eyes, getting those, can I say it? Can I say it on, is it a, is it a bad, can I, microaggressions? Those microaggressions? <laughs> right, right. So it's still like. That is on our SJW bingo card. So yeah. anybody playing at home. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I um, look. I, I still look. I, I we we have to tease this out here because it's going to drive me nutty. Um, I do agree that there are people who do bad things in society, and I agree that there culturally there are bad memes morally that might be. Look, I'm an atheist. My entire family disowned me when I became an atheist 20 years ago. Like, I can't stand that particular aspect of society. And it's gotten better than it used to be, but um, I get it. Uh, but the the concept of social justice, to me, is not necessary for, what you're saying is culture, ha there's bad things about our culture which should be changed. And I think on that point we agree. Social justice as a concept is, is, is in, to, maybe you can correct me where I'm getting this wrong, but when I when I look at the concept of social justice, it's we're going to apply the concept of justice to groups and hold them accountable as groups and view them as as members of groups primarily, and that's how we will enact justice. That's where you get things like reparations. You get money from this color people to this color people precisely because of which group they're in. That destroys uh, – our goal should be – um, to treat people as individuals. I agree with you that if there are people who are suffering in society, let's say, let's use the, the gay example. Um, I, it's not like I'm not going to know someone's gay if I'm in that situation and I can do something to make them feel more comfortable by not bringing up their husband. Like, absolutely. Right. That's fine. And I think that's a social meme that needs to be transmitted to our children and we can change society for the better that way. That's entirely different than looking at society's ills and blaming groups of people and treating groups of people differently at a structural level. So that's what I see social justice as. And can we make a distinction there or correct me where I'm wrong and let's solve that problem before we just start conflating social justice with fixing bad ideas. Okay, I hope I heard most of what you said because I saw a dog and I got distracted, <laughs> but I think I heard most of what you said. Sorry, okay. it's, it's, the, it's the mailman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I, I, I got it back. I'm back on track here. So yeah, of course, like just this blanket, like if we just say like all white people should pay all black people and that all fix racism. Yeah, that's really, that's really, really simplistic. Uh, and I think we, it goes back to like the Duncan based economy. Like a lot of people are, they want to like simplify social justice. It's really bad with critical race theory. Oh my goodness. No one knows what that actually is. Um, but they want to simplify it. Like we're only looking at it through this lens. And when you're describing st uh, specific issues, you have to take into account the context. So for example, um, so I'm gay. 
it's not the only thing about me. This is the thing I brought up because uh, for the relevant example, but it's still just one context. Right. I'm also you know a thousand other things. I'm very very boring. Uh, I, I sniff a lot. Um, uh, I stub my toe frequently. I'm very I'm very clumsy. All these things are equally important to my character. And so being gay is not the most transient one in all circumstances, but in certain circumstances. Could be what gets me into trouble. Like if, when I got, you know, yelled at and screamed at for holding hands with my future husband in public, um, the being gay thing was pretty important. Less so the clumsiness. Um, so it's depending on what context we're thinking about. Like if we want to talk about things like homophobia in society, gay is, is the is the lens we got to look at. It. If we want to talk about racism, race is the lens we got to look at. If so, and and that doesn't mean that is the only identity that matters to that person. It's just, um, it's when we're talking about specific issues and specific societal ills, uh, that can be we a lens that we have to look through. Now, I do agree we can take it too far. And then if we see, like, if a white person does something bad to a black person, to automatically, intrinsically say that that is a racist action, uh, I do think, yeah, that's... But that that's does common. Diminish. That happens all the time now. I mean, that's a great... Oh. You could pick that example every day in the news. Right. Course, a, a cop who's not black shoots a black person and it's immediately assumed that it was racism, not any other reason. Um, in fact, you had rioting last night in in Wisconsin over a guy who literally had a gun and shot first at the cop and was and then was killed. But well, we also it's, see it's that no matter. Well, yeah, we also see that uh, come from the other side as well, though. So no matter what happens in a police encounter, the police are always white uh, are always white. <laughs> Little Freudian slip there. That, that was a nice little uh, slip. Police, we yeah, agree with you that the other side is the Blue Lives Matter people. They'll justify literally anything. Like, well, you looked at the cop wrong, therefore it was justified. That we're in agreement on that. Yeah, of course. Um, so, but yeah, and, but when we're talking about racism, maybe it. So, for example, can I, can, go ahead. Well, maybe this will help us get to and maybe to a place of. Better understanding. I want to take your hypothetical example where you were talking about a friend and being in a public situation with a friend that you know is gay and deciding to treat him differently than you would a straight person by not purposefully not bringing up his spouse. So that I think, though, I think collectivism or I think social justice might say that you always treat that gay man differently and you never in that no matter the circum the individual circumstance you you never mention the spouse individualism which i think you actually it sounds like you and i might agree on this individualism for me means context matters if i know that he's in the closet and he's my friend sure i'm not going to out him to people or or say something just like i wouldn't share anything that one of my friends is a, has as a secret or something they want to keep private a straight friend if they have something they want to keep private i wouldn't announce it in front at public but if i don't know that that person is in the closet and they've always just or their husband is just a matter of life and they've seemed out to me i'm not going to adjust the way i treat them in fact i think it helps for me to not assume that homophobia is in the room with me until I'm given evidence that it is. And then well, when yeah. it, and then you're it's, given evidence that it is, then you meet it head on. But otherwise, I'm not going to say it's almost like context matters, right? Right. Maybe then like being gay is not the most important thing about them at all times. But maybe you should be aware of context in which being gay might be something to consider, which is kind of what I said. Right. right. And if I may, if I may have a, yeah. a, a Star Wars prequel moment, um, in <laughs> I don't general, know. I'm, that might be a bridge too far, but OK. OK. In general, <laughs> if you're describing an ideology as always and never, it's wrong. 
right? Like your description is wrong. If you're describing this ideology, so if you say uh, social, social, so you said something to uh, Ken. Let me start that sentence over. I just butchered it. If you say like social justice uh, always treats a certain identity with the utmost prescience or something like that, or that social justice never takes into account X, X, and X, it's wrong. And I would say the same thing about if a lefty was talking about conservatism or even like MAGAism. If, if it's an always and never thing, you're almost definitely not describing the ideology correctly. So can I give a different hypothetical and you tell me what you think about it then? Sure. Here's because I haven't heard the. I, I actually don't believe that's a thing that social justice tells you to pretend like a gay person's husband doesn't exist. Well, social so, justice doesn't but, do anything. It's not a, right. it's not a physical thing. It does but, stuff. But, well, there are certain tenets though that come out and they change. And one of those tenets that I have seen, and maybe you'll disagree with me, but speak going back to your comment about microaggressions. So I'm in a couple of social justice groups on Facebook, and I'm in one that's populated by a lot of white women, who um, frequently express their frustration, their desire to be friends with women of color and their inability to have friends of color and women of color. And one of these women posted something once that I I saw it to be based on the microaggression tenet. She said, a black woman just moved to my town. I would like to become friends with her. And I almost asked her where she was from. And then I remembered that's a microaggression. And I'm trying to under, figure out how to open up conversation with her. And I just thought, wow, like, you're severely limiting your ability to get to know this person because you've accepted this one tenant that to ask a person who's not white where they're from is always some kind of racist microaggression. So if she were white, you're treating her differently because if she were white, you would just be like, hey, where are you from? But because she's not white, you're 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 acknowledging race and then you're letting it affect how you treat her. And you're treating her differently and you're actually probably hindering your potential to make friends. So so I give that as a hypothetical because that's something I've actually seen. And and I think it's more of a, a, a the microaggression tenet about like do not ask people where they're from if they're not white. Is 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 that something that you is that a tenant that you support? Do you do you are you saying that that tenant doesn't always apply that even a social justice person um like yourself acts treats that person as an individual in that encounter and it's based on context or not oh yeah of course like yeah that, that's okay. really dumb like saying that oh okay. you can't you can't ask someone where they're from based on superficial characteristics now that's dumb okay well but, then thank you but, yeah, i don't but, feel like yeah so yeah yeah something that i think is, is important though like when you're talking about when you're talking to an individual on an individual level, just uh, uh, like we're just we met at a bar, uh, I'm nine drinks in as I usually am, and you're just talking to another person. Um, yeah, that's that's way different than if you're either on a public platform like a social media, or you're talking to another person about systems. So that's that's way different. So when you're talking about systems, you can't talk about individuals. You can't talk about individualism. So when you talk about politics, you can't talk about individualism because. You can't discuss what each individual person is doing. You have to think in terms of systems. This is why I don't understand why people are like really, really uh, – they're into politics, but they also think individualism is the answer. If you thought individualism is the answer and just individual people should make better options, why are you talking in politics when we're talking about big, broad systemic changes? Oh, I can tell you Laws why. that affect the entirety of society, like, uh, in, like in economic policies that are going to affect a lot of people. Right. Like, I can, we I are can products tell you the exact systems. answer for that. Because I'm an individualist and I'm also an anarchist. I'm I care about politics because I want them to get the hell out of the way and let individuals behave as individuals in voluntary interactions with one another and take the gun out of the room. I don't want 
I don't want people in Washington pointing a gun at me or anyone else telling us what we have to do, say, think, pay, who we have, who we can hang out with, who we can hire, who we can't. I don't think it's anyone's business. That's why individualism matters. And I would argue that I would argue that the extent to which the, the the successes that you've seen in the West uh, predominantly have been uh, a result of the extent to which governments have protected individual rights and done actually very little themselves as governments rather than taking this uh, system owner approach, this system engineer approach of top-down central planning and design. Like, I hate central banks. I don't like economic policy coming from the government. So that's why it matters. It matters because there's guys in Washington who control guns that tell us what to do. And the only way we can stop that is to argue about it, right? Yeah, politics is applied violence at the end of the day. Yes. Politics is a process of legitimating violence. But in your scenario, who takes away the gun? Who who makes sure that no one is going – who makes sure that everybody's an anarchist so someone just doesn't start stepping in? Right. So, n- and, so like, now we're getting – things. Right. And now we might be getting to something – we may actually agree on this. I and – I, and maybe more so than Kerry, but I'm not sure. Maybe that's not true. Uh, I don't focus on politics quite as much as I focus on culture and philosophy because I think the only ultimate solution is to change people's hearts and minds over time and – Politics is not really a long-term solution because people will behave however they'll behave regardless of the political system that you've got set up. So Ooh, um, that, that that last sentence, you might want to rephrase that because that's nonsense. Well, I, I would say like it, people will behave however they want regardless of the political. Not not com- no. yeah that yeah that that's that's not exactly true. Let let me I will rephrase that. Thank you. Uh, I will say people. Um, People will ignore laws if the culture allows them to ignore the law in one way or another. So if you're in a general culture, like uh, let's just take any law. You but we probably won't agree with this one, but the Second Amendment to the Constitution is pretty clear about personal um, restrictions on, on personal ownership of firearms. You can agree with it or not. The text yeah. itself is pretty clear, but we're in a culture in which most people kind of think there should be some restrictions. And so mm-hmm. we kind of ignore that text and that's fine. I mean, I don't agree with it, but that's expected. A culture is going to ignore what's written or interpret it however they want. If the vast majority of that culture has a different ethos than what's enshrined in the law. Is that clearer? Yeah. Oh yeah. That way better. Okay, thank you. So I'm so I entered debate mode where I'm excited to disagree. I hope I hope it, I hope it never, when I get excited, I hope it never comes across as like, oh, I hate you now and I want to destroy oh, you. Oh, it doesn't. No, I, by I, the way, I can do the same thing. So if I start yelling at you, it's just passion. It's not anger. Okay, I get excited. I was I I we've only had one actual as far as I can remember we had an accidental debate with a guest who because Carter's atheist and I'm a pretty oh, new yeah. Christian but believe it or not we. We never really talk about our differences of opinion on God very much. And we had a Christian on to talk about something else, but then he and Carter started debating the existence of God. So I'm going to play the same role today, Carter. I'll be the, <laughs> so the moderator. Yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I like it. I like your excitement. Awesome. It's 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 my newfound aerodynamics combined with the uh, the, the boomer energy drink. The energy drink. Yeah. Yeah. Energy drink and a shaved head. All right, so you were gonna you were gonna say something in response to to my rewording. So, oh, let's. <laughs> I, you can't expect me to remember thirty seconds ago. Okay. What are you about? Well, let me let me ask you a question then, because and we've already kind of touched on this, but I just want to tease out a little bit. So, 
I don't believe, I don't, like I said, and I know you think this is a nonsense statement. Maybe I can articulate what I mean better, but I, I don't think philosophically collectivism of any kind solves collectivism or that treating people unfairly is the way to fix treating people unfairly. Like, like Ibram X. Kendi recently said something or tweeted something in defense of discrimination. And he basically was saying, you know, discrimination for this reason is good. Discrimination for this reason is bad, but like racial discrimination. I don't think racial discrimination is good. Like as a, I don't think it's moral. And I think, I think we step into dangerous territory when we start seeing ourselves as moral beings that can, that are capable of saying, we're going to engage in this thing. That's not good because we have a good end goal and we know when and how to put the brakes on it. Um, do you, do you think like, would you agree with Evo Max Kendi that discrimination, racial discrimination is good in some circumstances? There's a difference between, well, there's a difference between discrimination and unequal treatment. I know it, it's, uh, it's really, really fine and you can get lost in semantics and have plenty of context where they mean the same thing. But in this case, I'm, I'm probably, they're probably referring to like racial disparities, uh, systemic racism and things like that. Well, if you are I don't think we're going to disagree on this, uh, black people especially, but people of color in general in the United States were pretty – what's the policy on swearing? You can swear as much as you want. OK, so uh, we're pretty pretty shit on for most of uh, America's history. Uh, and then we did the good thing. We did the objectively good thing and put laws in place to stop it, and those helped. But the thing is like time still moves forward, and so all the conditions created by the unequal treatments were never addressed. Like the fact that uh, that unequal treatment had stopped, well, now you just have someone uh, – to use an, a metaphor that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times before. Well, now you have someone starting 100 meters behind, and now you're running at the same speed. Well, they're, they're still behind, and it's not like the instant um, – it's not like the instant we put the law into place, the societal uh, zeitgeist just instantly changed. It probably changed quite a bit. I mean, racial uh, – it was probably less popular to be racist immediately after we passed a law saying that racism is bad um, in much the same way that as soon as we passed gay marriage, like the acceptance of homosexuality saw a big jump. Um, but it was still – it didn't go all the way away. And again, racism is not a binary. Any sort of bigotry is not a binary. Uh, you're not either – the bad thing or your or the good thing all right most people are like you know flavors in different contexts and things like that people are very very complicated and so if you have a bunch of uh, if you have this group that's no matter how we would love to treat people as individuals were shit on historically because of ed a superficial characteristic and then you never addressed any sort of unequal treatment to correct that i think that, no that is worth talking about if you want to equalize something that is unequal you cannot Make something equal by treating both sides equally. You have to account for that disparity until it's equal. And, well, and so, that can make so a lot of people feel so weird. Here's, but. here's the rub on this, though. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying to some extent, but there's, there's, two, there's two problems with this. One is the social justice left looks at any disparity and automatically – attributes it to unilateral like there's a univariate cause and it's racism they never question there's never any other i won't say never but almost very rarely ever any um thought given to any other contributing factors that may cause the disparity um and second uh none of the solutions that i've heard proposed involve the, none of the solutions i've ever heard proposed don't involve violating the rights of other people who are literally innocent. The people who, who caused these disparities are dead. And p 
polling, I mean, for the most part, there's probably some old politicians who did some horrible things, but, but like for the most part, the people that were, were responsible for setting up for, for 99 of those hundred meters or whatever it is that they're behind, they're, they're dead. They're dead and gone. And so you can't have them make restitution. Now you're asking people who are uh, innocent to make restitution. And this is one of the things that Carrie and I both call collectivists. This is the the sins of the father. You're, you're paying for the sins of the father. And that is, that's an anti-individualist perspective that I don't think is uh, a road that you want to go down as a society because that's, I mean, as long as you're also against dangerous. the concept of patriotism, I'm all, I'm, I guess I'm on board. Yeah. Because if you don't want to be course. responsible for the sins of your father, you also don't want to be responsible for the accomplishments, right? So Absolutely. I a, hate I hate racial pride or country, national pride. Like, oh, that was a that was a, a white guy that invented that. Like, that has nothing to do with me. I didn't do crap. Right. I I totally agree with that, and I don't like racial pride, and I don't like national pride, except. If it's national pride in um, – I, I do think that it's rational to have national pride in uh, f- like fundamentally moral differences. Like, So I could say I, the United States is a better place than a caliphate in the Middle East because the laws are more moral. And I, I take I'm, – I'm not necessarily prideful of that, but I'll defend it and I think it's better. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely – You know, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that. So I don't know if I disagree. So – yeah, no, that's good. So I have a question. Another, when we met at the Milwaukee conference, uh, I believe you were in line to ask a question of Milo before me, and I was in that same line, and I asked a question of who was the guy Milo was debating there? Um, <coughs> uh, Stephen Bonnell, um, also known as Destiny. Destiny, yes. So I asked a question of Destiny that he did. I didn't think he answered in his reply. And I'm wondering if you can answer it for me, what your opinions are on it. So first of all, do you, so one of the things about social justice that I've noticed, and I I believe is that it's, it's an ideology that's concerned with controlling language and redefining certain terms and coming up with new terms in order to control thought. And you probably disagree with me on that. I'm just going to take it that you do. But one of the, two of the terms that, that I learned the redefinitions of over 20 years ago in college are, are racism and sexism. So do, are you one of the, are you someone who puts forward this idea that racism means prejudice plus power and sexism means prejudice plus power? Um, I'm unconcerned. As long as your definitions are clear and you're talking about, uh, and you're both using the word in the same way, it doesn't really matter to me what you call it. I, 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 oh, I think you can certainly, okay. Yeah. I think you can certainly, like if you're in a broad sense, you can certainly say that you can be racist against the white person. Of course. Yeah. It just, it, what matters is when you're talking, in, uh, at least most of your audience is using the same definition or the person you're talking to one-on-one, as long as you're sharing the same definition, I, I don't really care what, what kind of words you use. Well, then that's very cool because a lot of, I think I'm going to put you in my mind now. So, you know, we all make assumptions and we all, uh, to help ourselves better understand the world and categorize the world. I tend to have an idea that there are two types of social justice people, those with very good intent and, and those without it. But I also think you could, you could look at it as, as, um, you can maybe classify social justice people as in, in two, in a different way. Those who are very thoughtful and try and make rational arguments such as yourself and then people who just sort of 
hear some of the tenets of the belief system and repeat it and adhere to the adhere to those tenets dogmatically, like the woman who won't ask any black person where they're from. And so there are some people who, unlike yourself, who cling very hard to that redefinition of racism and sexism. And I I have a question for them that I don't need to ask you because you seem to be open to understanding that people define terms. Maybe, maybe, uh, so maybe you can ask it after I say, I do think it's worth talking about the concept of, excuse me, prejudice plus power. And historically, like groups that are, for example, I have a lot of literature that says that uh, white is seen as default in America. Male is seen as default in America despite population. Uh, so I do think there's some legitimacy to, to discussing the concept of prejudice plus power. If we don't want to call it, we can just call it prejudice plus power. And if that's if that language helps to communicate the idea more, that's what we should use. If people, right. yeah, if you want to say racism just means any sort of prejudice based on race, I'm fine with that. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. Like as long as we're talking about the, the same concept, and if but using a better, right. if using a better word or a better series of words helps communicate your idea better, that's the one you go with. You don't make people like you don't. That's what effective communication is. It's meeting your audience halfway, and it's, there's no objective meaning of a word. All you have to do is make sure you uh, you have the same concept in mind when you're talking to a, to someone or at least most of the your audience. Yeah, but I think th I think a lot of the social justice left I'll, i'm saying the social justice left i kind of mean critical theorists uh especially critical race theory right but they'll they're intentionally trying to redefine the word racism because they they want they don't want to use the prejudice plus power as a separate phrase which i think would be fine to use that's that's a phrase that works and we can have that conversation but they need it to be redefined because they want to be able to call people racist because racist has connotations to it and racist has an emotional effectiveness in communication and they want to call the bad thing that they want to talk about racist. And so they need to literally redefine it. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the pushback comes. People aren't pushing well, I have back. a really good book for you. Okay. It's, Which called, is? Uh, it's, called, it's called White Fragility. <laughs> I don't – It seems I've, like a joke. I've read There's it. One There's one so. chapter I think – Honestly, I don't think the book is very good. I, I think it's pr really ineffective at what it's, it sets out to do. But one thing that I thought going in, and I actually thought she did a good job expanding on it, is that racism binary, like what I was talking about earlier. I mean, I already believe that. I already think it's really, it's really dumb to think of racism as like you are racist and bad, or you're not racist and good. And I do think that there should be way more nuance th than that. Like we can all do dumb things. We can all um, – like uh, – so Carrie, like you're, you like categorizing things and like putting things into – and I'm not saying this is a pejorative. We all do it. Um, like my husband, for example, any TV show we watch, as soon as the TV show is done, he, asked, he has to ask me which character he is no matter what <laughs> we're watching. <laughs> um, uh, which, which Golden Girl – are Which you? Golden Girl? Oh, you could do Golden <laughs> Girls. You could do Power Rangers. You could do uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Uh, because we like putting people into boxes yeah. because it helps us make predictions about the future. Like yes. if we already have an archetype to work from, it helps us predict what this individual is going to do. That's why not like people act similar, and it's okay. Um, well, but let me just clarify because I, I oh. get the concept of this uh, of gradations of racism and this idea that we're all supposed to get comfortable with using the word racism more freely and be like, oh, well, he's a little bit racist and a lot racist and it's fine and blah, blah, blah. And I know she starts her book with, I'm racist. Uh, I, I get that, but it's only ever applied to white people. Um, so it's it's very racial. It's applied along racial boundaries. And oh, yeah, the, that's dumb. What? That's part of the reason I don't like it. Yeah, that's dumb. That's part of the reason I don't like well, it. Well, so, so it 
you have to understand why that concept immediately becomes suspect and the motivation behind it immediately becomes suspect. They say, well, we need to redefine this thing. We need to redefine racism, which is a hor- horrible word that everyone has always used to, to mean like a pr- it's a pretty horrible thing to be a racist. We're going to redefine it to be uh, kind of this gradation where tiny little things that you don't mean are going to be racist and all the way up to the KKK. And then we're only going to apply it to white people. But don't worry. Um, we're not changing the language for any nefarious purposes. It's just... It's just academic, and it's nice to hear you say we don't need to change the language, but you're not representative of the majority of the the people leading this cause uh, on the social justice left. They don't agree with you on that. They do want why, to why, why would you need a representative if we treat everybody as individuals? I'm treating you as an individual. I'm not treating you like a representative, yeah, but like we're talking talk about, about the concepts, right? So I mean, We can't talk about ac- academia, CR- CRT and academia, because you have to talk about them as individuals. You see where – what, what, no, you're I misunderstanding what individualism means. Individualism doesn't mean doesn't make doesn't mean you can't make statistically valid sweeping generalizations about a population. It means that when you confront individuals, you treat them like individuals. There's there's a difference between like it doesn't mean I can't say Chinese people are shorter than than Swedes yeah, on average. And like, mean, that's a, and if I'm a collectivist, it doesn't mean I can't talk to my friend and know that he's just not part a hive mind and a Borg. So maybe there's some. Wait, have if some you say that again, here. if you're a collectivist, it doesn't. If I'm mean a collectivist much. and I believe in systems. First and foremost, like we're more influenced by our systems than we are by our, you know, some innate like individual like choice that we make. That just doesn't mean I don't treat my friends and family and people I meet on an individual level as an individual. So maybe there could yeah, be of some course, of course it doesn't reconciliation mean that. there. No, of, co- of cool. course it doesn't awesome. mean that. Uh, but I, I just – Go ahead, ahead, Carrie. Sorry. Well, no, you finish your thought because I, I wanted to go back to something you said a little while ago, Carter. Yeah. I, so I was just saying like, yeah, of course it doesn't mean that if you're a collectivist, you're consistently always – treating people only as members of groups. Predominantly, when I use the word collectivism, I'm usually referring to it uh, as a, a political ideology and that people should, like, laws should be passed based on people's membership in groups um, and that rules should be, be passed based on membership in people's groups and that it, people's membership in groups and that that's kind of the primary method, but it doesn't mean it's the only method um, through which you view people. I don't think, but I don't think in terms of collective, I think that I, there's a distinction between a community and a collective. Like I think communities matter. Collectives are a kind of an inversion. We, we can talk about this philosophically if, if you want, but c- collectivism is, sure, just a, I, I, is the primacy of the group over the individual from a philosophic perspective. And individualism is the primacy of the individual over the group. Individualism says groups don't exist without individuals. So individuals are the primary philosophical element. Collectivism says, uh, groups exist uh, apart from individuals. A group is a group first, and then you look at the constituent components. And it, it matters hierarchically when you start th- looking at how ethics and morals and things like justice. Um, so, I, but I can I'll, I'll let Carrie jump in and talk about something we were talking about earlier. But can I really quickly clarify one thing? Because I saw some comments in chat. People were mad at me that I I brought up white nationalism or something when you mentioned patriotism. I know patriotism and white nationalism are not the same thing. I was bringing it up as another example. I didn't mean to suggest that if you have patriotism, you're a white nationalist. Uh, But I did mean to suggest that the only valid form of patriotism as far as I'm concerned is patriotism based on the ideas behind which uh, the country stands for or that the country stands for, not my plot of land is superior to the plot of land from people in another area. So Yes, I'm patriotic for America over China, for example, but not because it's America. It's because of what it stands for. If China stood for the things that America stood for, I would prefer to be in China. It just and doesn't. also, I don't actually like white fragility, chat. 
Do you know what a joke is? No. What? <laughs> no. I'm just, I'm just clarifying to chat. I don't actually like oh. that. Yeah, I thought there was a good concept the... in one. Like what? It has to be all bad? There can't be anything good coming from it? I don't yeah. know, man. Yeah. Chat anyway. is all over the place. But if you guys, I just wanted to say, since we are doing this live and we have the benefit of having Justin here with us today, if you have any questions for him, feel free to drop them in the chat and let us know. And do um, not hold back. I'm a big boy. And if I cry, <laughs> I, I can turn my camera off and then cry and then come back. All right? I'll do that for you, okay? You also have some fans in chat I saw. So, um, yeah, so LSP. Uh, LSP was the other guy that came with me. He was also there at Better Discourse. Oh, Michael. Oh, cool. Yeah, Michael. Hey, Michael. That's who that is. I recognized LSP, but I couldn't remember where. Or at least, he, yeah, he was in chat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carrie, so, you had a question. Otherwise, I'll keep going. Well, yeah, I guess maybe this is more of a high-level question, but um, mm. I, no, not not in terms of anything. You don't. Have, it's not a very intellectually deep question. It's just I, I don't you. know. I sometimes I pull out, I zoom back, and I look at the situation we're in culturally, and so I do believe social justice ideology is an evil ideology, and I say that often. And the reason I think it's evil is because I think it takes people who have very good intent and who want to end racism and sexism and it it turns them into it it makes them agents of racism and sexism in that it gets them to start treating people differently based on what racial group they're in or what sex group they're in or what sexuality group they're in. And so I think it's very corrupting in that way because like white supremacy, I view them as equally immoral, but white supremacy tells people up front we're about like white people being better and so it it does it's not as deceptive in some ways i think social justice is very deceptive it gets a lot more a lot more um well-meaning people involved in it like like i was in it for two decades <clears throat> so i do call it that how do we get to a place where if i believe your ideology is evil justin but i don't believe you are evil how do we start and, and maybe you think my ideology is evil, but you don't think I'm evil. How do we get to a place where we have conversations, where we are part of a community, where we where we find common goals? I mean, you and I could say we probably both agree on we our goals are two goals we probably share, ending racism and sexism. We just have very different ideas on how to do that. So do you see ideology being something that people can overcome and create friendships despite having such different philosophical views or not. Carter and I talk about this question sometimes because, for example, I still have some friends who are in the social justice world. And I remember one time I had a friend over and we went to dinner and Carter just didn't understand why I would go to dinner with her. He said, cause she does a web series where she basically indoctrinates children with social justice. And he's like, how can you hang out with someone who's doing that kind of evil? And in my opinion, it's like, but she's not evil. She thinks that she's ending racism and sexism. And I, I, I realized that about her. So we have similar goals. So I do think it's possible to be friends with people who, some people who have very different beliefs than you do. Um, what about you? I know it's a oh, big yeah, question, but yeah, it's hard to. So with something I think it makes a lot of these conversations really hard. One of the things that, um, hold on, does everybody still have their uh, SJW bingo? <laughs> I don't even know where so it is. I'll yeah. give you. I'll give you a few seconds. Pull up a tab. Uh, okay. I'll tell you uh, if it's on there or not. <laughs> okay. Something that really triggers me. Oh, that's probably on the. Is bingo. this yeah. notion that oh. Uh, you do this, do X action just because they disagree with you. That isn't that mean that statement means nothing. Just because they disagree with you, 
um, if you say that, and this is whether you're right or left because everybody does it, um, stop saying it. It doesn't help. It doesn't mean anything. It is a nonsense uh, sentence that is there to take up either space uh, in, in Wait, could characters. Wait, you stretch that out? I'm or, sorry. I, I don't want to sound dumb, but I guess I am. Uh, all right. What did just you mean by that? If you do X because it, they because, disagree? All right. So – just because someone disagrees with you could mean everything from they, uh, you know, they like. I don't know. Is pineapple on pizza? Is that still a meme? I can say. Is that passe? You Anybody? can say it. It is horrible. Just because someone sorry. does or does not like pineapple on pizza versus they want to see all uh, LGBT people rung up and and, and shot. Uh, we both disagree with them. If we define disagree as binary, uh, and either and even though. Liking pineapple on pizza and wanting that are both equally morally reprehensible. Uh, maybe – I'm sorry. I'm trying to make a joke here. These are not the same thing. Right. Like <laughs> I can disagree with someone pretty strongly. It depends why we're disagreeing with them. For example, if um, if a cashier at McDonald's uh, really, really likes Steven Crowder and posts a bunch of Steven Crowder memes and says some things that are eh, the liffy about black people and BLM and stuff like that. It's not going to affect their job. They shouldn't be fired. If, let's say, a county prosecutor um, says that the reason black people are in a worse spot in America is because they don't work hard enough and because their their skull shape isn't correct or some variation of that, that person should be fired because it's going to negatively impact their job. Because it's, we can justify, and if we, if you just dial it down to because they disagree with you, it doesn't one, you're not telling you – you're not impacting the conversation in a positive way. You're not helping to clarify things. You're doing that – you're strawmanning uh, and making the situation impossible because we have to backtrack so far to get to the point where we actually have a, a meaningful disagreement. So I, I would just recommend everybody, everybody, including people who are on my side, uh, not, very few of whom have this haircut, um, I would just recommend that we you say something with more substance. Okay, that 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 makes sense to me. Thank you for clarifying. I mean, you're basically just saying there's gradation, like disagreement as such. That that's a weird, the weird example because as much as I hate pineapples on pizza, it's an amoral thing and 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 something else that you could do. I mean, you could just go to the other extreme and be like, they murder children. It's like okay, that's clearly has more children weight. on pizza. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. They put children on pizza, right? Okay, that that's those are two toppings that are in totally different moral categories. Um, and so uh, I do think that we we do tend to be tribalists, and you can see this from both uh, the MAGA crowd, frankly, and the uh, and the the radical left, where there's this assumption that if you disagree with one thing that I'm saying about something, you must be all of these other disagreements, and so they can take something that's amoral or 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 has very little moral significance, like a policy difference, and turn it into you must be a hardcore racist whatever person because you disagree with this minor thing and you're in this other category. Um, I think that's yeah, kind it's of probably, what you're saying. I don't think, yeah, I think that is a pretty bad thing. I know why people do it, though, because you, know, you have signifiers for archetypes. Um, we kind of want to – we are looking for patterns. We want to be able to predict what someone is going to say, and not in a bad way because it's going to make for better conversations most of the time and also because you know we want to see what's going on ahead. For example, if you look at the chat, a lot of people are making a lot of assumptions about me uh, right. because I'm a self-described SJW. Which is fine. Uh, that yeah. that's fine. You it, you may genuinely be trying to hear me and still disagree, and that that's that's awesome. But 
and just because you did make a lot of assumptions doesn't make you a bad person. Like we're all – we have signifiers. Uh, we have like these little ideas that usually, based on our own experiences, tend to web with other people. Whether you're an individualist or a collective, we all kind of want to make these predictions. None of us look at a new person uh, as a completely blank slate. It would just be – You can't. If you're, you don't if have you, the cognitive yeah. function. You can't – I don't have cognitive the, the, power to do that. You need shortcuts. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think assumptions that, because – well, people make assumptions because of the shortcuts. I think the only problem comes when some people cling to those assumptions as if they're truth. I mean, the nature of an assumption implies that you you could be wrong. It's an assumption. Right. So the responsible people, thing to do is to say, right. oh, I'm going to – when reality contradicts that shortcut, I'm going to stop right. for a second and go, wait a minute. Something's different than what I thought. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. So for, for example, yeah. I get uh, – it's similar to the assumptions people are making about you – I get a lot of assumptions where people call me right wing or something, and and that's interesting to me because I, I wonder like what what signify what things uh, on my profile or whatever would lead them to make that shortcut. And I understand there are certain things there they're probably looking at. Just like when I'm on Twitter, if I see pronouns in a bio and BLM and like if there were certain things I see all together, I make that shortcut. And I know I do, but I know it's an assumption, and I could be wrong. I am. Um, yeah. And for example, a lot of the assumptions that – so if someone describes themselves as like anti-woke – it used to be anti-SJW. I think that's fallen out in favor of like anti-woke now. Mm. Um, I've seen – because I do think the two are analogous, and based on experiences I've had in the past, people who were anti-this tended because if you define your ideology as anti-something, well – you don't have any sort of positive declarations in favor of a certain principle. You, all you know is what you're against, which is a lot easier right. to figure out is what you're against. Yeah. So you start to make bedfellows with people who are all, hey, you know who else is anti-woke? You know who else thinks we talk too much about sexism and homophobia and racism? And you know where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of people are going to – it's a signifier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean and my – just my personal experience and I've been in – the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area for 20 years, and I was a libertarian when I moved here, and I haven't really changed too much of my views. I've gotten a little bit more extreme on the libertarianism to the point of just wanting to get rid of government <laughs> altogether, but uh, what's like, changed, the zeitgeist around me has, yeah. like the culture around me has changed to the point where um, when I got here, people assumed that I was, no one assumed I was Republican, really. They kind of assumed that I was a left because I was, you know, I supported gay marriage and whatever. So they assumed like, oh, I'm just kind of a crazy lefty who also likes guns or whatever. Uh, but now everyone just assumes that I'm a, a MAGA guy. If I say anything that contradicts, like, and I have, my views haven't changed, but culture has changed to the point where anything that I say that, that runs counter to the accepted narrative here, they just assume that, oh, you're just a right-wing MAGA dude. Um, and you must love everything that Trump does. Yeah, I could see that. And so, so yeah, that's definitely not fair. Let's talk hey, about microaggressions. Super chat. Actually, can oh, we just do a quick chats. question? Yeah, okay. nobody. Thank you, uh, Brendan McWalters. He gives us ten bucks. He says, uh, "Okay, Justin, if your if your ideology forces you to abandon access to objective reality by evaluating subjective lived experience over empiricism, it is not possible to have a conversation." Change my mind. <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> Go. I think I know what they were saying. Abandon objective reality. Well, I'll do say I love me some empiricism. 
Love it. Uh, so a lot of my videos, uh, I take great pride in putting a lot of academic citations in all of my videos in place of saying anything intelligent. Um, you know, it's, it's, it puts up a nice little veneer, but I love empiricism. I love finding data. I love finding things to support my points. Um, so I love me some objective reality. The issue is uh, objective reality is untouchable. Because all of us are limited by our own perspectives, our own senses, our own tiny, enormously like insignificant sliver of uh, access to the world. We all are always going to be reaching and failing to get that objective reality, and I think it's important to understand that. Like for example, is there any empirical data to say that empirical data is good? No, it's a, but it's a, but it's something that we share, and it's good that we share it. Well, I don't they're, have to they're like, actually, prove with math. No, there actually is data because the, every time you collect empirical data and then make decisions on it, it works. And you do that a bunch of times and you've got empirical data to suggest that empirical data works. I know. So, I know. Like, and, that, and that's the exact <laughs> argument that I would make. But notice how like you still have to justify it and say it's good without empirical data. Well, so here's the thing, though. This is the thing that, that I we're don't like, get. Okay, People say, well, we can't, data... we're going to reach for objective reality, and because we can never be 100% correct, this is the, this, I can't, I can't stand this fallacy. This is like, because we're not omniscient, and we can't, obsec we can't actually reach objective reality, we're going to abandon the concept of objective reality and just go off of lived experience. Like that's not, no, that's, yes, it's an unattainable goal, but it's the only goal that we can all try and strive towards. To give up objective reality means to give up discourse and harmony and any kind of getting along with each other at all. Hold on, um, I'm just, I'm curious. Uh, lived experiences, you kind of played those down. What, have, but uh, what does lived experience mean objectively? So I, I don't think that lived experience – Language is subjective. Language is a social construct under any definition, but mm. it's enormously useful. No, language, if you don't think language – okay, if you don't think language is a social construct, you are incorrect. No. It's a 100 percent social it construct. It depends on what you mean. So, oh, does it? Hold yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. It depends on what you mean. You can use different sounds and symbols to mean a particular concept. Um, and it's, it's quote, socially constructed in the, in the sense that we all have to agree on the table means this particular thing. And that, that set of sounds doesn't mean the same thing in Japan. Actually in Japan, it does. Uh, that set of sounds doesn't mean the same thing in China that it does in the U S but all I'm trying to, I, yeah, all I'm trying to say, is but it that does correspond to reality. Like if, if right, it does correspond to something real. Do you think sociology – so I'll, here's my big thing. I love me some empirical data. Feelings are more important than facts. So so again, let's get back to lived experience because this is what you asked about. Uh, yeah, so, so lived experience I don't is the think, reason that so, it's important. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that feelings are irrelevant and I don't think that lived experience is, relevant, is irrelevant. Uh, I, I think that it is giving you – feelings are giving you real – empirical information about the state of your consciousness and that may or may not correspond to reality based on how well your state of consciousness is tuned to the reality around you. And the classic example is um, an art expert can look at a, a painting and feel whether it's a forgery or not much better than I could, right? And so the state of his consciousness or her consciousness would be um, actually much more better evidence that we should look into actual facts about the painting rather than feelings 
Um, but the feelings don't have no value. They have some value. And, and, and they always have value when, when thinking about how to live your own life because they're real answers to how you feel about things. And that's – Yeah, art, art is because we're able to determine like why objectivity is nonsense. There's no objective way to appraise a painting. You, well, that doesn't mean objectivity like, is nonsense. That means that tastes no, differ and people have different psychologies. This is okay. This is one of those assumptions. I love objectivity. I make my points with objectivity, but I'm saying that what I don't like about that is that oftentimes people will allude to objective reality and and say and automatically assume that there's an opinion that goes with it. So I argue a lot of like sure. trans issues. So I would say that all the empirical data supports my position, but some people will say, well, objectively, there's two sexes. No, there isn't. Well, are you using the word sex? No. Did you use sex instead of gender intentionally, or was that a misspeak? Let's just. No, I said, yeah, I did. Okay. I, I use sex intentionally there. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, how do we define sex? It depends on your definition. And so, yeah, there are these two sets of gametes, obviously, but is that how we define sex? Well, it's up to us. What gives us the most utility? And utility is subjective. What does it mean to get more out of something? Why do science in the first place? Because we want a better human existence. What does bettering human existence look like? These are sets of societal values that we have to come – that are born out of lived experiences that we all get from interacting with one another. That's not to say that Newton's laws are just a feeling that someone had and my like and my three numbers that I just wrote down are just as good. No, of course not. But we use them to further human goals that are very subjective. What, right. Is there an objective reason to go to the moon? Maybe there is, but I think mostly. Um, I, I don't think you could have an objective reason awesome. for all of humanity to do stuff. But look, I, uh, let's talk about the sexes for a minute, though, because there well, there is before, value. Wait, that's like, going to be that's going to be a a big. I, I think that's going to go off in a big discussion. No, I do want to go there. I just want to make a point quickly before we can't come back to it again about the facts and feelings thing. As you were talking, Carter, in your response, you you made me think about how. Our feelings, while they're valid and they're real, they're not always truthful. And right. so like cognitive behavior therapy even is based on teaching people how to um, change their behaviors and to um, better incorporate I guess you'd say their feelings that they have about something and to figure out when the feelings are serving them and when they're not. And so there are people who falsely take every, I'm sure we all know people like this, who, who interpret the worst and assume the worst and assume bad faith in every situation. And sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. That's the nature of always assuming. And, you know, I used to be a person when I was in the social justice world, very often I would go into a room when I was in the entertainment business where I went into that room with the assumption that I was being treated differently because of my sex. And it's almost as if sometimes I manifested that just because I, my feelings told me this was true. And so I, I just wanted to make that point about, I, I don't think that feelings can be trusted more than facts. Maybe we disagree on that, Justin, but. Well, it's, it's hard to say like trusted. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that points to, it seems like I'm, I'm trying to weasel out of a, of a good thing here. But um, so something I've learned in my rhetoric, in my like rhetoric, and what I've done, I've done a ton of debates. I've, I've walked, talked to a ton of people. I've written a lot of papers. Numbers by themselves don't mean anything. You have to make your audience care about them. Yes, so I agree. From, yeah, so coming from a position of like rhetoric, it doesn't matter what's true. What matters is how the person thinks of it. A big thing is, is climate change real or not? The answer to that is yes. Um, well, so hold on, but, Juan, uh, when you say the word matters, 
mat the word matters implies to someone for a purpose. So it does matter what's true. It also, but if you're trying to convince someone, it also then matters how you present that truth. But matters isn't matters can't be used detached from a a person making that value judgment for a a reason. So I have a really good example. So for example, there's um, system justification theory, and they're using climate change, anthropogenic climate change, as an example. So in this experiment, uh, I can pull up the exact name of the experiment if you'd like, uh, if you're interested later. Um, So in the experiment, they presented the same data on climate change. And then they primed it with two different variables, one saying that we're in a recession, the economy's bad, and one is saying the economy's booming, we're great. People were more apt to believe the same set of data if it was primed with information that the economy was great versus if they were primed with the economy was bad uh, and and you know then it, and it wasn't the data itself that changed. People perceived it as more or less true based on what made them feel better. So right. if it would be if it would be bad for this thing to be true, we as people are really good at finding reasons why that can't be true. That's that's true. That's just human psychology. I, I agree with that, but I I just wanted to clarify that like it doesn't mean that only the way to interpret matters, but like the the truth of it does matter. That's one question. The second question is how to communicate that truth and um and that and in that instance, psychology does matter, and humans are – I mean Jonathan Haidt talks about this. Humans are very good at justifying whatever the hell it is they want to justify for whatever reasons. And like you're saying, yeah, you can exactly. prime the we, pump and get them to justify yeah, whatever. That, that's where I'm coming from with like feelings matter more than facts. It's because we're really good at getting around the facts to believe whatever the hell we want to believe. Have you read – Justin, have you read The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt? I think you would love it if you haven't. I've heard of Jonathan Haidt as a researcher. Uh, The Righteous Mind is great. He talks a lot about how our mind is sort of – he gives the analogy of a rider on an elephant. He says the rider is our rational mind. The elephant is our emotional mind, and our emotional mind is the one driving, (laughs) and our rider is just kind of justifying things post hoc, you know. But um, I really quickly, I wanted to say we got a super chat from Let Freedom Ring America. Thank you, Let Freedom Ring. And Uh, They say, just want to thank Justin for coming on. While I disagree with him almost entirely, it is good to hear his perspective and we should all listen. Thank you. Yeah. Well, while we're doing Super Chats, let's do the next one because LSP is yelling at me. Uh, (laughs) He says, Carter said, you said we could ask questions, damn it. Uh, LSP asked a couple of questions uh, not in Super Chats. Did I? I don't know. I I just can't pay attention to the, that you can ask questions. Uh, I just might not see them. I'm not trying to dodge your questions, but if you... Try it again. I'll try and pay attention. Uh, and then Will uh, Charlton says, we do science to discover truth and create knowledge. Redefining sex racism, et cetera, regresses science. Well, okay, so this is a segue to where I wanted to go before. Can we go back? Yep. Can we go back to the sex? Yeah. Um, sure. So, so the answer to this is what gives us the most utility in what circumstances? Yeah, yeah. Redefine, I, so I, yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with what gives us I, – I kind of agree. With, I'm not disagreeing with that, but um, – Let's just review science for without throwing out the the sex the binary view of sex. Um, the reason that there's a binary view of sex is that um, it's actually in, in in science, right? There's asexual reproduction and sexual reproduction. It's a great categorization method. There are two sexes required for sexual reproduction. The 
when you when you look at the traits between those two sexes, there's actually a tremendous amount of sexual dimorphism. It's one of the most binary things that exists in biology. And so it doesn't mean that there is never any ambiguity between the two, that there's never anything that falls outside of those two. No, of course not. Um, there's always, just like humans have five fingers, do some people, on one hand, do some people have six fingers on one hand? Yes, but we still have, we, we still treat five fingers as as the norm. So you would have to make an argument for, like scientifically, you'd have to make an argument for why um, there suddenly needs to be a destruction of uh, the binary categorization of sex, so long as that categorization isn't used to um, force intersex people into some category that is not appropriate for them, recognizing there are outliers. Uh, why is it necessary uh, to do that? Yes, this is a great uh, – so you called it destruction. That implies that you have some sort of emotional attachment to this idea of two sexes because it gives – it makes things more no, simple. It helps us categorize people. Uh, it's more simple. I, and that's why I, I don't really do have well. an emotional attachment. Destruction is what you would do. Well, why'd you call it destruction? Ha- it's just a word. You've got a model. You destroy the model and replace it with something else, I assume. Like I, what about expansion? It's, 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 it's proven what, what useful. You're asking us to throw away something that's been yeah. proven useful. What if we can make something that's more useful? Great. Make make the, the argument for that, but the only argument I've very heard so far in biology in biology of all things very rarely do, do things come in like in only two. Very rarely do we have a hard binary. And right, but all, but actually, this sex. is one of the most hard binary things that there is in biology. Is so. What are some parts of sex? What are some sex markers? So uh, we have external genitalia. We have chromosomes. We have hormones. Hormones are enormously important in terms of sex differentiation. The entire yes. reason that we have sex uh, differentiation in sport is due to hormones. It's not due to gametes. It's not due to genitalia. It's due to hormones. Yep. Uh, no, it's one of the projects with that, the testosterone injections in 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 utero, and then at three months, I think, or whatever. Yep, I got it. Yeah. So the so are those. Not important and more, more, more. No, uh, but I would say that those are gender characteristics, right? Because, because whether or not you get a hormone bath at three months doesn't change your ability to sexually reproduce, but it may change brain characteristics. Yeah, but why ought we? So, if we talk about interactions with other people, um, how often do we see gametes? Uh, there's a correct answer to this. The answer is never, unless you are part, part of like what 0.0001% of people who actually look at them under a microscope, right? So in terms right, of Right, but that's why I asked whether you were talking about gender or sex, because you're talking about gender when you talk about how people present and how you how you interact with them. You're not talking about sex. Well, sometimes you are, because sometimes those physical characteristics are informed by sex, but then interpreted by our lens of gender. It's not. It's a muddy, complicated mesh of things, and that's why just separating something into a binary oftentimes we want to do that because it's for the love of god let's make it simple so we can actually study it that is can I ask fu- you a question yep. just a practical question do you do you believe that we should be sex segregating sports oh, or uh, that yeah or that we should all be competing instead of having women's basketball and men's basketball we should just have basketball i think we could think of a different system that would make things more fair but for right now yeah it's fine Wait, what's fine? Segregating it? I think if we – the more we're able to like measure the human body and the like cheaper it becomes – like for example, maybe we can separate people by lean body mass uh, and maybe that would be a more fair thing. Maybe I don't know. I'm just – I'm open to the idea. Right. If, if we can think of something that would 
allow more people to compete against one another in a way that's extremely fair. I think that'd be that'd be awesome. Like it's hard it's hard to say men are a homogenous group and everybody can compete with one another. And there's a lot of historical problems in to determine like what is woman enough to be a woman to compete in women's sports. That is its own can of worms. It, and it's enormously complicated. Uh, it, it has to do with like what ca- counts as natural, what counts as real, uh, and things like that. It gets a really 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 complicated. And so I'm open to the idea of maybe there are things that we can do to make sports more uh, fair across the board and maybe some of that has to do with like combining uh, different measurement characteristics, different categorizations in order to create really, really fair categories of sport where more people can compete and do well. All I'm saying is I, I'm open to the idea of expanding things to be more fair and more inclusive. But I mean, for right I now – That's at least – I think yeah, that's at least consistent sort of, right? I mean I'm I'm – Let's be clear about sports, though, because I think a lot of people, they look at this and they say, well, uh, they're looking at the middle. They're looking at the, the the middle of the bell curve and they're saying, well, you know, you can have a, a sex change operation or I'm not sure what the right terminology for it is, but whatever. You can transition and, and, and not move too much in that bell curve and still compete against average people. But when you're looking at the outliers, when you're looking at the tail end, when you're looking at Olympic level athletics uh, – it's pretty clear that if you just had one group, as long as you're comfortable with the fact that it will be all biological males except for for long distance swimming, uh, at least that's intellectually consistent. But that's what you would get. You you know that, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, the first per- trans person to make the uh, Olympic team in the United States is a trans man. Okay, Chris Massier. Okay, but that's. I mean, that's an outlier, right? This is why this is oh, why no, it's important. You're, you're talking about outliers, so you can't say we're only talking about outliers at the Olympic level and then dismiss an example as an outlier, right? Well, uh, no, I'm saying you would still end up with you, you. You can do that actually. You can say within this group of outliers, there is a standard. They're basically going to be almost all biologically male. Uh, there may be an outlier in that standard. Yes, you might have someone who's not biologically male. That that could happen. Absolutely, that hasn't happened. Huh? Is are there? That's, what, that's you, I'm fine with see, that. By the seem, way, if that's that we want to go. You seem more familiar with statistics on transgender athletes at the Olympics. Do you know are there how many trans women there are? That, as could you tell as us? I know, and I have not checked in a few months, so I haven't seen like. And are we having the Olympic? Is it today? This was this <laughs> supposed to be an Olympic year? Oh, is this an Olympic year? It feels like it, right? This isn't just a lost <laughs> year in a lot of ways. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I haven't heard of any, but I will be honest and say I haven't checked in a few months. Okay. Um, let me ask you a question. We got a super chat from Brendan. Oh, and also we we uh, we have the questions from LSP. Let me just get the Brendan one, and then we'll do LSP. Brendan says, "How are you having a conversation about sex and not talking about making babies? That's the reason why the hard binary is important." We did. We mentioned sexual dimorphism and sexual reproduction. Yeah, but I, like someone, I also see it here in the chat. Like the primary reason for sex is to, for reproduction, uh, not the way I do it. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. think they're talking about. I think they're talking about do it. as a species, sex. They're not. I think they process. mean biological yeah. importance and or no. in terms of furthering well, yeah. the species, but not. This is, yeah, this pleasurable, is where, pleasurable this is, importance. 
this is where the objective meaning comes into. What is the reason for sex? I think you're being dishonest if you say that there's a reason. Like, unless you believe that there's some sort of objective higher power that well, is dictating let's, the right Well, let's grant answers. that that was just sloppy language usage. I, I think the way I would word that is the reason well, that biology categorizes language. people into two sexes is because of sexual reproduction being distinct from asexual reproduction. And well, there like, are biology characteristics. Doesn't do that. Biology huh? doesn't do that. Biologists do that. Sorry. Biology, remember. The field of biology run by biologists has used this model, which is very, very useful and has helped tremendously to uh, understand that context. Yes. But right. uh, how many contexts do we need to know the exact biological gamete makeup of well, people Well, that's that the argument to? for why there's a different word called gender, and that's the argument they used to make. And I was on board with that argument. But now we're, I'm being told that actually, no, we, we, all want, we also want to take over the word sex and change that, at, at which point I ask, well, then what the hell is the word gender? Why does it bother? Like what, why? Well, they've also – wait. They've also done – sex didn't always mean like gametes either. Like, like if you we like discovered chromosomes in like uh, the early 1900s, sex meant something different before then. You can't say that and just because so, we didn't understand what it meant. Did like? Well, no, I'm saying that the change of language happens in both directions. Like, I think a lot of times the notion of the binary came first, and then we went looking for binaries. Like in terms of like gametes are not the only important thing when it comes to sexual reproduction. You don't have the gametes and that's it. You also have a have to have a bunch of other working parts. Why are those considered less important and less determinative of sex? Well, it's because we're married to this idea of two in a hard binary. An honest look at biology says it's way more complicated than that. But, it, but it's so not many way more parts. complicated. The, 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 the number of people who don't nicely fit into male or female sexual categories is very small. Right. That's why I use the five and, finger analogy. It's uh, and and huh? What does that have to do with not? What does that have to do with it? it you can't have a binary with a few exceptions. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I think you, that's you why you the finger analogy. We don't teach children, for example, that humans have uh, an unlimited number of fingers, or that that teach them. We're talking at this su this such level. So we're talking about testosterone. We're talking about like sex differentiation sports. Nothing to do with gametes. Gametes are unimportant. In that scenario, hormones are important, but now, but hormones can't be determinative of sex, even though it's what's important in sport. Someone brought up the fact that the, the sex is for reproduction. No, it isn't. I do 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 many sex, and it's for pleasure and to feel closest with my partner, and because it's, wait, wait, it's that's real an equivocation. Fun. That's that, a different that's use of the word sex. Too. You can't equivocate on the word sex and make that argument. I'm not going to let you get away. Well, 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 you. Well, hold on. If wait, what do you mean? Uh, they meant the word intercourse. And we were talking about sex as a like sex as a categorization of a dimorphic sexual species, and you the just jumped to intercourse. We, okay, That's not the no, same thing. Uh, how, oh, how could I possibly make the jump from a dimorphic species to the reason they're dimorphic? I know those th two things don't have no, anything to do with each you're other. You're saying I have sex in a different way. You use the word sex in a completely different way than it was meant. Right. Well, it, it's an overloaded no. term. You used it in the other definition. Are the definitions related? Uh, did one come from the other? Yes, it I don't did. Think he I agree meant to. No, I don't think he meant to. Uh, but if I understand what you're saying, I think he just meant that somebody was using. Um, was using chat. They were. Yeah, they were. They used that term in chat, meaning uh, how, how can we talk about how can we talk about the two different sexes, male yes. and female, without yeah, talking about intercourse being necessary to further the species? So if you want um, to 
like my 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 proclivity towards like why I'm I'm skeptical of people who say that we have to know objective reality because very oftentimes they have an objective reality in mind and they and they it's just that's the way it is and that's how that's what the truth is because I think so. So when people are coming into the chat and this is not an uncommon thing saying the reason for sex is reproduction, they are there is no reason for sex. What are you pointing to? The th like why ought reproduction be privileged over other things? And then you're going to say, well, because without reproduction, without oh. continuing this, you die. Why ought that be the case? It's because you feel like that should be important and it's bothering people to just accept that as a good enough answer. And it is. If you think that continuing the species is a good thing and you can't prove it with empirical data or objective reality, it's okay. It's, that's fine if that's your reason. You can just feel that way, and I, W, will care about your feelings and say that that's good enough. <laughs> that's not how I interpret what they're saying. I interpret what they were saying as uh, the reason that we categorize individuals into two sexes is because of the reproductive qualities of that organism. It's humans aren't the only ones that are sexually dimorphic. They're not the only ones that sexually reproduce. We've we figured out scientifically that to certain animals – reproduce this way. There's there's actually advantages to gene mixing. There's gene mixing and other advantages uh, that come from so the species doing that. So there's so a reason. I don't disagree with yeah, I, I agree that there's a reason. We get a lot of utility for it, and I'm perfectly fine in certain scientific contexts. If it's if we'll get more utility out of a, bi, uh, a bi, binary system when studying things, yeah, let's do it. Like sometimes you want to limit variables, and that's perfectly fine in a scientific concept. I think most scientists would agree. However, in other con in other places maybe that's not the best way to separate things um like for example uh, one of the reasons that we're talking about bimodal sex distribution is because a lot of people will do a mott and bailey where they want to talk about why trans women aren't real women and well it's because oh sex is binary there's only two sets of gametes and that's what defines you as a, a, a woman or a man and that's it and it's this mott and bailey like what does that have to do with uh like trans women in sports well the gametes don't matter in sports what matters is the effects of the hormones right. the hormones are what separates athletic performance so why aren't you talking about that because you don't want to you want to do the modern bailey and talk about gametes even though gametes don't directly affect uh, sports performance we're talking about like going into changing rooms like why do gametes matter there no it's it's external things that uh you know external things so the reason that we're having the conversation in the first place is because people are using that sex as like this is the true thing and as long as this thing is true everything that i believe about how this expands out into the universe is also true There's, there must be some sort of objective nugget for the reason i think the way i do you see where it comes back to well, like i think that, i guess i want to yeah. it. Yep. i don't know where you would put me in or how you would categorize me but i mean i don't Female. think trans women well, well, tra no, I mean in terms of my opinions, trans women are not biological women. I don't have a problem calling them women if they present as women, if they want to be called women, depending on the individual and how they ask and why. Or half the time, sometimes you don't even know because they do – someone like Blair White passes as female and it's not even a, a, a request that's being made. Um, anyway, I don't have a problem saying women, but the trans is there for a reason because they've transitioned from one sex to another. I thought – I mean I thought that's obvious. It's like I don't know – Maybe I guess there are trans people who – argue against the existence of bio, of two different biological sexes, but maybe because of the social circle I'm in, most of the trans people I know openly admit and say, I am transitioning from this biological sex to being perceived as being and treated and living as if I'm this biological sex, because that's what uh, resonates more with me, and that's how I feel inside. So, so is... so. 
so another distinction that I uh, that I that we, we talked about. So there's uh, uh, genetics versus environment, uh, nature versus nurture. There's also mind and body, and that's also a, the same distinction. Okay. So when someone says they are, so there's a lot of by uh, like in terms of like psychology, in terms of uh, brain makeup, and in terms of thing, and uh, a lot of other like genetic roots of gender identity. There is a gen there is a genetic basis for gender identity. Which uh, fun fact, if it's happening, there's a genetic basis for it. That's how genes work. Um, <laughs> like, like we, sorry, you're fine. Um, but like. And this goes to why ought this thing be privileged as ter in terms of like what is a biological woman? Why not have uh, the category of woman like uh, refer to other characteristics? Why not have it refer to uh, hormones in, the, in this characteristic? Because in a social setting, hormones are way more uh, demonstrative of your biological sex than our gametes. Uh, why ought it refer to genitals? Because unless you live a very different life than mine, we're probably not going to see the external genitals of the people we talk to. And so like when we're talking about biology, we still see someone's biology. It's just what what is going to give us the utility in this situation? And can you see how it would be like, well, I know that you're a woman, but you're a trans woman. Can you see like let's say let's say you're talking to me and you said like, OK, I know you're married, but I'll call it marriage. I'll say you're married, but, you know, it's called gay marriage for a reason. You see that how that could be really easily perceived as I don't think you're good enough. Like, I don't eh, but I don't I guess lesser. No, I don't care about perception as, as much as I care about intent, and I don't think you should be treated any differently. If you are a person who perceives that and takes it with offense, uh, I feel sorry that you take it that way, but I, I'm not going to take responsibility for your feelings That's not about how it. That's not what how language mean? works. Okay, this is something we'll hugely disagree on. How someone, okay. <laughs> how someone takes what you say is half the conversation. You can't say you want conversations and oh, not about how the other person takes I've, it. I actually, so this is one of my, the SJW tenants. I'm glad you brought this up because I don't agree with this. I have heard social justice, there's, there's, there's one social justice belief that says intent doesn't matter. It's how the person receives it. So if I say, I Justin, what you said was racist, I took it as racist, and you say, uh, why well, didn't intend it that way? And it doesn't matter that you didn't intend it that way. The social justice ideology says my, how I take it is all that matters. So, and I disagree with well, that because I think, well, okay, like we talked about earlier, feelings not, lie. No, but feelings talk, lie. We also talk about how all or nothing is is false. Right. I can say you're probably not. So the way I would do it is like the way that person took it is half the story. You yeah, now your side like it's your side is just as important. They are equally as important in, in a conversation. Assuming that it's just you two talking, of course, your perspectives are equally as important. But to, to but to say that the way I meant it uh, is the important part is to ignore half of the point of a conversation. If you are just monologuing to yourself in an empty room, you're not having a conversation. Right. Uh, the conversation requires another person to be there and to say right. that your side of the speaking, the noise is coming out of your mouth. That's the important half and the listening that they're doing that actually makes it a conversation is less important and less true uh is a, a misunderstanding of how conversations and language are supposed to work i think this is we we probably agree on some things about the the purpose of conversation and i, I definitely am a, i'm a person who is probably described as high in, and i know when i take do the big five high in openness and and empathy in a conversation but at the same time i think there's a dangerous road that we go down when we try and make ourselves when we try and amend the truth or keep ourselves from speaking what we believe to be true because of 
uh, not wanting to cause offense. And this isn't just within social justice. I, I think this happens in general with people who are pleasers, for example. I used to be a pleaser. And if you're perpetually concerned with how something is received instead of with the intent of speaking what you believe to be true, then you're going to start censoring more and more until you're not saying anything of importance at all. And I agree with that, too. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I have data to back it up. Oh, nice. But, yeah, hey, but uh, I don't, don't want to get too far afield before wait, I'm wait, about wait, can to we, lose these. Can, yeah, okay, lose, but didn't you have LSP? Didn't he have some I questions? Have them, I have them queued up, yeah. Okay, go ahead. What are LSP's questions? I'll, I'll so, back. Here's one for you. Right. This is from LSP, Justin. He says, question for Justin. If you understand that there is no such thing as ethical capitalism because all consumer participation relies on exploitation, why not embrace socialism? Um, I care about I, – because I don't really care what something is called. I don't care if it's called capitalism. I don't care if it's called socialism. Whatever system is going to better the lives of the most people uh, is what I'm going to endorse. So bring me data to support something. I don't care if it's called capitalism. I don't care if it's called socialism. It is of no consequence to me. Uh, I think that there's very rarely uh, – very rarely uh, 100%. This is all socialist and everything within it is socialist versus this is all capitalist and everything within it is capitalist. I think we can have aspects of both operating in a mixed – degree uh we can change it as thing as we gather more data and as society changes and things like that so um that was a long way of saying that i don't care what we do <laughs> i care about making the world a little bit better and whatever approach gets us there i don't care if it, like call it something else call it flubyism i don't care okay flubyism one more question from lsp he says uh is it okay to seize one person's food to distribute it to another if so where is the limit and why can a state seize another country's resources um i think it is morally okay to do that sometimes yeah like if we have one per so let's take an extreme hypothetical example and this is important if we have one dude out of a society of 100 and this dude has all the food uh and he's not willing to give any of it up and so if uh, he's not willing to give it, so if you don't take it, 99 people will die. So in this extreme hypothetical, and it's extreme on purpose, I'm not saying this is realistic or analogous, it is morally acceptable to steal from this person to feed these 99 people. It's morally acceptable to do it. So all that is to uh, – so that's to get away this concept that it's never okay to steal from someone else. Of course it is. What if someone stole something and then enough time had passed to now it's just thought of as theirs and they did that over and over, let's say by some sort of exploitation of their workers? Uh, of course, that muddies the waters a little bit. Of course, it's sometimes okay to steal, just like it's sometimes okay to kill. It's the reason why our law enforcement has guns, right? So where uh, that line is, a, I have no idea. By the way, idea. that's not a correct analogy. It's I, I would say it's okay to kill, but not okay to steal. Uh, murder and killing are two different things. Killing can be done in self-defense. Stealing is is taking something by force against the will of the other person. Uh, but it's not the initiation. But and so stealing is always the initiation of force by definition. Murder is so always the initiation that, of force by right, definition. It, maybe, but killing is not. So maybe. All right, hold on. Maybe. So in my extreme hypothetical, you yeah. would stick to that point to the point where no, those ninety-nine people get, they have to die because it's wrong to steal. Yeah. Oh, okay. So because nah. because I don't like <laughs> I'm, I'm stealing steal from that dude, and if he resists, I'm I'm taking him out. I I get it, but that's that's um that's emergency philosophy, which I I absolutely abhor those kind of emergency philosophical arguments. Like here's this here's this completely unrealistic scenario. He how did he get all this food? Magic. Why do why can't other people get food? Magic. They have nothing to offer so him where he's willing to, to give test. them. Nope. Uh, 
it's, yeah, it's so hyperbolically weird that and like the reason yeah, for that is that, exact thing. Do you have such a rigid ideology that it will stick no matter what? Well, he's very intellectually yeah, consistent. Yeah, I Carter's do. Because a person who believes in consistency and and not contradicting his philosophical beliefs. See, I I'm say. a man of I'm a man of gradients. I don't believe in binaries. I just well, believe in principles, right? And I believe which, in right and wrong. To, so, well, you know. I do, speaking of that, the uh, uh, binaries. It might our next super chat is from Will. Thank you, Will. He says, "I don't care what something is called, unless it's called binary dunk." <laughs> Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! Did you get the, did you get the other will one that says uh, the thing that makes sports fair is that there are rules, kind of like language. Um, oh, I missed yeah. that. Okay. Um, yeah. Did, where do we find the rules? I don't think you know what objective means if you thought that that was a contradiction of my point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, QRS. What about says, Keith? Hold on, hold on. You're get your way. You're missing some. Keith, I'm out of order. Okay. Keith says, I wonder if Justin's comment about himself using a different definition of sex from that of the discussion was intended in the sense of his T-shirt. I don't know. What does your T-shirt say? Oh, this uh, it's uh, the Just for Last, Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. Oh, okay. It's a comedy festival. Um, someone is asking you to please define woman. Woman is someone who uh, identifies more with the, the feminine side of the gender spectrum. Okay. Does your Do you have the same opinions about race as you do about sex? That someone is black if is uh, someone who's black is someone who identifies as being black. I think that's probably the best way to do it. That that's hard, right? Like, if okay, is Barack Obama black? I don't really care. What about there, Rachel Dolezal? I don't know. Show show me an argument. I'm open to hearing arguments, and if I'm convinced, if you show me a really good argument, I'll listen. I'm not. I'm not a hard. I'm not you a hard. You are hard. more intellectually consistent than you give yourself credit. You're for. more postmodern than you are social justice. Just to be clear, you're rejecting is, critical race theory in a big way with that answer. That was. That's a. That's a rejection of all of Kimberly Crenshaw's entire work. I don't know if I'm taking. I don't know if I'll accept your definition of critical race theory. You know? <laughs> that's I mean, a compliment. You know. I. I, I mean, I, except Kimberly Crenshaw, she's she explicitly would be against this. I'm almost 100 percent certain. Okay, maybe I could disagree with her. I want to say representatives. I I, I want to say I I really value intellectual consistency, and even when I disagree with someone, I respect when they when I one when I think they have good intent, two when I think they have integrity, and three when I think that they are intellectually consistent. That's why I really respect Carter. Even like as we were talking about, I think he's one of the most intellectually consistent people I know. That's respect for that. But Justin, so are you. And I really respect that. Yeah, it's a weird form of consi- – I'm consistently fluid or something <laughs> like well, – I know, I know what you mean. Uh, I get the, I get the, uh, the uh, essence of it, I think. Uh, yeah, which is, it's like uh, trying not to be hypocritical in your beliefs depending upon – like not switching your beliefs depending upon how it affects your tribe or your party or, or your ideology. It's basically putting your intellectual principles up here and maintaining consistency even when it hurts you or your side or whatever. I need to ask some people in the question, oh, define yeah. woman. And then I defined woman, but I defined it in a way that there were there were other words in it that they want me to define. Um, can you imagine – I can't imagine thinking this way. Like, okay, I want to I want to figure out what a word means. And so I'll, go, I'll look up the dictionary, in the dictionary what the word means. But all there are are more words. How can they use words that they haven't defined in a definition of another word? All right. So before you ask, if 
unless you can give me the definition of love. Stop it with the gotcha definitions. It's dumb. It's 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 lazy. Uh, so define love, or you're not allowed to. I'm not answering any questions about defining words. You picked a, a word that Carter and I have often had conversations about how to define. Uh, love is the positive response to values in another individual. <laughs> I, love I love you, and I I'll, I will accept. <sighs> definition but i think there are i think there are very many different definitions for love no, I was like, gonna say, like there are two ways to take it i like that definition i think you can get some utility out of it or i can go define positive define values defi- right. define another individual no I, don't I, love I, I get the i get the postmodern deconstruction of uh-huh. language however uh for someone who's an empiricist uh the way that language starts is through uh induction Right. It's it's an inductive process where there's empiricism that happens before you even know what empiricism is. Um, and you see yeah. a bunch of instances of things and your parents call those things grandma and they all look have the same shape. And you're like, oh, that's grandma. And then your definition of grandma evolves as you get older and you realize maybe you have two or or however many and other people have grandmas and whatever. Yeah, this, is, this is correct. It's also consistent with postmodern ideology. Um. I, I'm, I'm not sure the- whether I would call it as consistent or not. I'm just saying that. Uh, just because, just because you have to define, just because it, it seems like there's a, a, you have to use other words to define words doesn't mean that there's no correlation to reality. It doesn't mean words don't correspond to actually what's in reality in front of you. They do. They start well, by corresponding like, to reality. That's how they are derived originally. They're so arbitrarily the labeled, they're arbitrary labels to a bunch of sense data that comes in. That's presumably course, yeah. from reality. So the reason I like the postmodern definition of language or uh, the postmodern conception, as I understand it, I'm putting that caveat in there. The postmodern conception of language is that it, it, from what I understand, it rejects the notion of essence, that there must be like, you know, the the define a chair, that, that, that whole nonsense. Well, um, uh, essence, like the, I don't know if it's called essence theory, but there no, must no, be some I, sort of By the way, I have an agreement with you on the, the crap of the philosophical essence of a chair. So yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's. It's boring and frustrating to do, kind of by design though. Like a lot of philosophy is being frustrating by design. Like how do you know? How you really know what you know? Uh, that's why all philosophers are dorks. Because uh, they need jo- they just need jobs, so they keep inventing problems that don't exist. Uh, it's, it could be fun. It could be fun up to a point, but at a certain point, you like, I, I, I got to get stuff done. Like I'm I'm hungry. Let me go. Get me out of this basement. Seriously, uh, they just need is- jobs. They just want grants, so they're going to be like, how about if the ceiling doesn't exist? Let's contemplate it. Well, you know, but I mean, isn't political theory and political philosophy, these are important. Like, uh, what if there are philosophers and thinkers like uh, people on YouTube who have, you know, really cool ideas and really cool videos and they present them in really cool ways and they're entertaining and informative. Like, so I'm not not poo-pooing on on philosophy too much. Uh, It is important and we all engage in philosophy, whether or not we call it that. Uh, So, you know, there's some use of it. It can just get frustrating when you're – uh, to use the analogy, like coleslaw, a little bit of coleslaw is good, but I don't want an entire meal of just coleslaw. It depends how much mayonnaise is in the coleslaw, but I will agree. Uh, <laughs> can we do a super chat? Uh, Grady says, why do SJWs reject non-mainstream information even though may have better solutions? Example, <laughs> Nikola Tesla zero-point energy often rejected over solar energy even. We just have to push for its release. I'm, that's all you, Justin. Go. Cool. Um, so I have a short, I am going to answer that, but I have a short question. Is this an individualist or a collectivist question? I don't know what that even means. 
It means why aren't they why aren't they asking me that question? Why do they want me to answer for the collective? Oh, they just want your opinion. It's okay. You can have okay, individuals. So, you know, groups of people are comprised of individuals. You know, uh, it's okay. Oh no, there's that continuum, right? So this person wants to know it's what not the a SJW continuum. Is. A, a group of a, a collection of people is a group <laughs> I, of I got individuals. You. Like, it's very clear. It's okay. okay it's I know it's tough. It's it, okay, all right. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll answer the actual question before we get before we go off the rails again. <laughs> um, because there's a tendency for non for mainstream outlets to have more information and more resources to gather the best information. That's literally it. So sometimes they can absolutely be proven false, and there there is a definite, very valuable place for like non mainstream and alternative media outlets to come in. Honestly, it is because they have the best resources. And if it's in terms of like bias, I don't. If you are going to sit there and look at me and say that well the mainstream media is biased that and true agreement and therefore you should listen to alternative media outlets you don't care about bias you care about the right bias like what what is this oh gotta listen to blaze tv because because the because cnn's biased or or i gotta listen to the young turks because you know fox news is just a right-wing outlet like no what are you talking about that's the answer bigger outlets have more resources to get more information that's the reason so and does that necessarily mean it's accurate, though? Be- let's, let's talk about this because actually you started by saying you wanted to question systems, um, which I actually think is great. Um, yep. And uh, well, when I, I look at – don't worry. <laughs> look, when I look at the left and the right, I'm not – I don't consider myself on the left or the right. When I look at the left and the right both, um, I see some unifying things about mainstream media and actually mainstream culture. And one of those unifying things is ever expansion of the state and ever expansion of wars. Even the even what we would what many people would say leftist media, which I would agree with, generally has a leftist slant. Um, and people used to think that left meant anti-war, but that's never been true historically. Media is always pushing for more wars. Do you do you see anything? It, sorry, go ahead. What? Conflating left and liberal there. Uh, yes, I am because I'll be honest. I don't really know what the difference is anymore. I can't. People use the words interchangeably. I don't even know. I don't think left is liberal. I would agree with that, but people use that word. I don't really know. I don't really know what it means to be honest. It, it's oh, yeah. so. This, this is why it, it sure would be nice if there were objective definitions for words, but unfortunately, there are not. All we need to do is all agree on a definition. That would be fine, but we don't. All we need to do is give peace a chance. <laughs> and that's that's the philosophy here. All right. So the criticism of mainstream media, I, I think bias, like whatever sells in our in our in our capitalist economy, whatever sells is going to and, and is going to uh, do do better. Whatever sells is going to do better. Very, 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 very logical. Amazing uh, rhetoric, Justin. Um, but whatever sells is what they're going to do. Um, presenting neutral information is great and valuable and, and useful, but it's also not exciting. People are not going to if if you dress up information in a way that makes people feel good or even or even better makes them feel angry. It's going to excite them more and going to and they're going to buy it more. Like if you frame the same story neutrally, uh, benevolently, or uh, as something that is frightening, um, people are very depending on the person, of course, but um, people are going to be more or less likely to buy that same story with the same facts depending on how it's framed and so a really great way to um, to sell papers and and i would criticize both sides of this pretty equally like being terrified of trump no matter what and being terrified of brown people no matter what um 
that activates that part of your brain that like I need this information because it's important to my survival. Like negative things are always more important than positive things in terms of survival. It's actually one of the basis of cancel culture. Like the reason that we cancel people – it's a threat, and threats are always more important than positive things. So if you say, oh, I did one bad thing, why, why don't I get credit for the good things? Because the good things aren't nearly as important as the bad thing. The reason is if for 99 days in a row you give me a banana and I eat the banana and I'm happy because I have the banana, and then on the 100th day you kill me, um, which is the more important, which is the most important thing? The killing by an exponential amount. The negative thing is – No, I would say that's mostly peaceful banana eating, right? Yeah, from a statistical perspective, like that's yeah, mostly banana eating. But the most important thing, I'm just your perspective. Is, Sorry. Is, well, they no, no, they also used a banana to kill you, though. So it's still consistent. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Fair enough. Uh, so a lot of people are putting more weight, and and therefore we want to like seek hey. out negative information more. So I am so. Let me right. just. Uh, we have a super chat from Brendan. He says that the postmodern deconstruction of language is a con which enables one to justify any moral position one wishes. Change my mind. Definitely. All right. So the postmodern deconstruction of language is a really useful tool into understanding like how different parts of different words are framed in different ways and, and accepted by different people. So to not deconstruct language, to say that there's an objective meaning to a certain set of syllables and sentences is to say that there is essence to words and whoever is speaking those words is the ultimate in authority and they decide what the objective meaning of those words are. This is nonsense. The message someone takes from either written or spoken word is just as important. In fact, from a piece of media, like a book, like a single book with one author, I would argue it's way more important to understand how different people are interpreting these different signs and symbols and what messages they're taking away from it. And that requires a deconstruction of language. That requires understanding what different words can mean to different people in different contexts and how putting those same words together in the same order might be influenced by someone's upbringing, might be influenced by the way they've heard that word in the past, might be influenced by the connotations they associate with those words, and they might take something else different from that same set of symbols that's why deconstruction of language is great it's important and it's not it's not the the purpose is not to justify anything you want to justify it's to understand the world better or at least so that's, I, at least that's I, how i, I push I back on something there because i think there's a false dichotomy inherent in your answer which is that you said language is not objective it therefore uh you're basically saying therefore it doesn't correspond to reality you're saying, well, we need to deconstruct no, that, it because that's the false dichotomy. Actually, that's the false dichotomy. Well, no, it sounded like that's what you were saying. So I'm, I'm asked, maybe, maybe that's not what you're saying. I'm asking you to clarify because decon- when I hear, when I see postmodern deconstruction of language, um, they deconstruct language to the point of literally claiming that there is no correspondence to reality. That words create reality. That there's no correspondence. I mean, uh, wasn't it Derrida who literally so- said that? So. There's there's a certain degree of truth. Like for example, like gay as an identity didn't exist until like gay as an identity didn't really exist until we had a word for homosexual, which was only in the past couple hundred years. The behavior in, in nature still existed, but in terms of making the identity a quote unquote reality, we needed a word for it. Needing a word to describe something, like for example, like Schadenfreude, like did you have this idea in your mind before you had a word for it? Maybe to a certain extent, but man, having a word for it really helps. It's why people want a thousand genders. Like it's because having a word to describe a certain set of characteristics gives us utility. Yeah, I, it might describe I would agree with that. that. And I don't think you can think abstractly without labels to 
to abstract concepts in your head because you can't you, your intellectual crow is not large enough to view concretes constantly. You've got to abstract things, put labels on them, and be able to think. Like I I agree with that, but I would not. I would not say that being gay didn't exist until there was a word for it. I, I would say we discovered a we discovered that hey, this is a thing out in reality that deserves a concept. Abstract it becomes socially important enough that we realize oh, we should have a concept for this behavior that we might have noticed but not really realized or whatever. Right? Same with white. Like, what does white mean? Yes. Same, same thing. But. Yeah. I- the language made it more real to people. It gave someone a because the, the it made it more real ways. thing is where I'm getting a hang hang up. It doesn't, it doesn't right. make it more real. It, it just gives us a way to talk about it. Yeah, it, gives it, us it a way was to real talk about before. It we can perceive it, as, it is more. But again, your perception of reality is just as important as reality itself in terms of your interactions with, with other people. Like our perception of what is and is not real. Like do it do what ask ask people do white people exist? People exist who have less melanin than other people, and we've categorized some as white. Yeah, we've categorized some as white, but the way that we've des- described white and the way our culture influences that affects how we see the world. It's a why we see an maybe maybe not, but why we see an Italian and an Irish person as both white, whereas in a different cultural concept, when that when maybe even before white came into common usage, we didn't have a conception of this and therefore it wasn't real in the public consciousness in the public zeitgeist. And of course, public consciousness is a, is a, is a term. Yeah, I, I don't think we're I I don't necessarily disagree in that I I get what you're trying to say here. Maybe you're saying it very well and I'm just not getting it, but I I get what you're saying, which is that language, how we use language and how we define terms and and what the abstract concepts we give labels to, all of that matters. It matters socially. It matters for how we interact with one another and how we treat one another and how we behave. All of that matters. Um, However, what the postmodernists do is – they go a step further and and you're using words like it makes it real and when you use the word real you're stepping into metaphysical claim and they literally step into metaphysical metaphysical claims they literally claim that things are created through speech and that's nonsense and well, that's, that's where it falls uh, apart that's why people reject postmodernism so it will probably help you is like don't describe like you can just ask me what i think why why are you describing well, this because you have not said this is my theory of language. You've used the word deconstruction, which is a reference okay, to Derrida, well, right. and you're putting yourself in a category there. So, all right, and we're all defined by our categories, of course. No, but you're saying if I said if I said so, uh, I I'm a flutist, so, you would assume well, that I play the flute. You said I I like deconstructionism. Like, okay, I'm taking you at face value. Let's talk about what the definite. <laughs> let's talk about deconstructionism because that's how it's used. All right. Well, uh, let. Go ahead. Can we I, can talk about this forever. I know. I'm I know. Very, we, we should probably move that on. I'm correct. Yeah, I think on. just so you know, guys, I have a hard out in a few minutes, so I don't want to oh, rush you off the camera. But I also my brain doesn't work very well after I've been talking for over for more than two hours. So um, I need to take a break. That's just me. Uh, Will Chain Charlton, thank you. Will Charlton gives a super chat and says, "Quote: I know it's tough." End quote. God darn comic gold right there, Carter. You made my day. Uh, Jason says, Justin, what is your view of postmodernism's internal contradictions? E.g., if there are no objective truths, would that be an objective truth? Well, no, it'd be internally consistent to say that I'm making a statement, but nothing can be objectively true. That that can still be internally consistent. Like, I, I don't know. Could, it could be true. Could not be true. 
see that could still be internally consistent because it's not described. If you're saying there's no objective truth, the act of saying it is also included in that statement. And so I would I would agree with that. I would I would agree with that. But I would point out that if if your claim as a postmodernist, I'm not saying you're a postmodernist, but if a postmodernist is claiming that that's my answer, then then the proper answer for non postmodernists is okay. I can ignore everything you've said. You, you are completely dismissible at that point. You've just said, you my system is closed and internal and doesn't correspond to reality. Okay. That's fine, but there's no reason to listen to you after that. Uh, I, I don't like corresponding uh, to reality. Okay, never mind. That's fine. Let's, wait, someone is uh, saying to drink water. Someone gave us a super chat and says, drink water. I don't know who they mean, so I'm going to drink water. If anybody, tell me what to do! You, no, you have to drink water now. I need to drink some water. Coffee. <laughs> you can drink I mean, energy I mean, drink, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> okay, Pirate Tomsky. Pirate Tomsky says, if you keep splitting down identity groups, eventually you will end up with the individual. That's the end game, which postmodernists don't seem to realize. Um, I don't know. I don't think you seem to realize that we are biologically social. Do you know what you get to, with an individual that has no contact, no influence from another person? What you get is a very dead baby. That's what you get if you have an individual who has never had to contact or influence uh, from another person. You get a dead but You get a very dead Individualism is not denial of social needs for humans or community. Individualism is simply the recognition that groups don't exist without individuals, yet individuals exist without groups. It's it's the, it's it's literally just an abstraction just in a hierarchy. Hold on. I just said that is not true. Individuals don't exist without other people. A group they of do. Two is still a group. They, they might be no, miserable, they but – we could stick no, you on a desert dead. island and everyone else on the world could die and you would still exist. You'd be miserable, but you would exist. But well, a group cannot exist without its constituent exists. components. Unfortunately, linear time exists, and I would not exist to be on that desert island without other people. And so you can't ignore all the social influences that came beforehand. Um, or not. It's not an so ignoring it, – it, it, this isn't ignoring social influence. This is just like metaphysically a group by definition is a collection of individuals. An individual by definition – doesn't need a group to like you can be an individual without being part of group and part of a group doesn't mean no social I interactions I, I think what i don't like about this ide ideology is that you're defining it in terms of hypotheticals instead of what is actual for lack of a better word reality we don't live on desert islands we don't right. exist separate from other people so what good is an ideology that pretends that if that would were to happen it could happen? it's not an ideology this is i'm not talking about an ideology based on individuals existing on their own i'm talking about philosophically concepts exist in hierarchies so i'm talking about a conceptual hierarchy we are social animals individualism doesn't mean you you know you have a baby and throw it away so that cuz cuz everyone's an individual and it needs no social interaction yes it will die without interaction right like you think that maybe we have we have contextual individualism for example, when you and your partner are I think we are individuals who are social creatures who, who need interaction with other human beings and thrive on it, which is why we need communities, which is why we need to figure out how to work together in communities, which is why we should be working on um, on building societies together. But it doesn't it doesn't un, that doesn't undermine the philosophical primacy of the individual over the group from a conceptual hierarchical standpoint. That's all. Uh, and I guess I, all I can say is I really vehemently disagree with that. Okay, well, like, that that might be like, <laughs> like a super long discussion, and we can be that? done. Yeah, that's, that's a vehement disagreement. Okay, so uh, we I would love to have you back, Justin. By the way, I um I'm very appreciative that you came on the show. And I, 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 wait, wait, read little ragamuffins. I dig you. I'm not ending. I'm gonna read. I just wanted oh, okay. to say bef before I forget. I know it sounds like I'm ending, but I really appreciate you coming. I, I think know, you're I, a guy. I 
see it right there. I love arguing, and I'm having fun, and I hope okay. I haven't been interpreted as angry or like. No, you haven't. No, no not at all. Not to me, anyway. Not no. to Carter. I don't think. No. I can read Carter. We have the same po- lack of poker faces. <laughs> yeah. um, little Rack of Offense <laughs> says, no overriding a definition of an existing word renders the word useless and interjects massive confusion. New words are better and offer less confusion. Maybe she's talking about racism as a definition. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> Just yeah. like the, yeah. Right. Oh, somebody says, I bet Carrie's getting a headache. You should know, like, really, I've heard Peterson talk about this before, but it's true. I've noticed it in myself. After about two hours, my brain is like, okay, you've done enough concentrating and thinking. Now it's time to play a video game. <laughs> I'm like, I really get to this point where it's hard for me to pay attention. No! Or if Carter talks about economics, that happens to my brain, too. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I really appreciate it. I want to let you make any closing remarks you want to make and tell people where they can find you. Uh, we'll def we'll put it in the, in the description of the video as well. And I heard I'm very popular among amongst the chat, but I'll, I'll, I will do that. (laughs) You can find me at SJW debates on Twitter, uh, and jangles science lad on YouTubes. Well, I think it's important to have friends who have different, opinions than you do and so and that's not always possible because sometimes the different opinions or ideology causes this uh, assumptions that can't be bridged and animosity that can't be bridged and so when you find someone like yourself who i vehemently disagree with on certain things but who i like as a person yes i want to follow you because it's good to have people with different opinions who keep your who keep you in check and who so you're not in some echo chamber so yeah follow there's a concept, yeah. There's a concept that I really like when it was brought up. So we all know racism is bad, but if that's all you've heard, like growing up, could you defend why racism was bad if you've never heard racist opinions, or if you've never heard someone say racism is actually good? Could you defend against it if that idea had never been challenged? And when I first heard that, I, and I thought, well, of course I could defend why racism is bad. It's bad because you, you shouldn't you shouldn't do it. Um, racism, no, hold on. Racism is bad because um, it's it's good to be nice. Uh, and then I realized, oh my goodness, I've never flexed this muscle. I've never trained this set of ideas. I've never trained this set of pathways in my brain. And so. Uh, what happened? What would happen if someone who was just really good at rhetoric, uh, who was able to lie out of their butt about statistics and what they mean and things like that, what if they'd gotten to me first and convinced me because I'd never – I don't have the ide- ideology to counter it. What if they got to me first? Would I look like this unironically? I don't know. <laughs> um, so that's why, that's why I think it's, it's, it's really important. Yeah. Uh, to be yeah. able to encounter like I have way more fun debating and arguing. It's, it's why I'm like so excited because it lets me like flex those muscles. It's, it's like it's like a workout and it's way more entertaining than just saying than talking to someone's line. Like, isn't racism bad? I agree. Racism is bad. Well, you know, what? I'm glad well, that we plus agree. you get to you get to uh, I think you it helps you to discover truth and to to arrive at truth. When you talk with someone who challenges you to defend your beliefs and to understand help, helps you better understand why you believe what you believe and helps you better articulate your point of view, plus maybe change parts of your point of view. So uh, if you haven't read it, there's another book you might like. 
which Carter hears me talk about quite a bit, uh, Love Your Enemies. And there's a part in the book where he talks about friendships and Aristotle's definition of, of friendships. And he gives an example of Cornell West and I forget the other guy's name, but he's a conservative professor at the same university and how there's best friends, completely different philosophies and what kind of brotherhood they share that and, and how that that friendship is so special to them because it pushes each of them. And I've, I've just aspired to having friendships like that. So I, anyway, I dig you coming on. Um, yeah, Carter, look, I, no, I would I'm just, sorry, like to, I just, at the end, I was like, let's cool. leave a wrap it up. No, no, I get <laughs> it. I get you have to go Carrie, but yeah. I just, uh, yeah. you know, I do want to say, Justin, I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I get animated. I can get passionate and animated, but I, I like being challenged intellectually. So I really appreciate you coming on. And, um, and no, you've been uh, just to be clear, uh, you've been nothing but nice and like straightforward and there's been no, just in case, you know, there's a lot of people that assume I often do a lot of people. I am going to assume that social justice warriors are going to do a lot of name calling and whatever. Like you didn't do any of that. You had an honest, great discussion and, um, love to talk to you again. So thank you for doing this. It was fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, I like I said, I had a lot of fun. I, I sincerely, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I loved the back and forth. Uh, should I have more or less caffeine, or more or less? Vote <laughs> on that. About right, I think. <laughs> I like the haircut. There was actually someone at the beginning who commented on how you look different than your picture, and also you had a couple fans in the chat who were discussing your lovely eyelashes. So, <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Justin. Uh, thank you guys for sticking around in the super chat and and um, join us tomorrow. We'll be doing our regular daily coffee program. Yep. Cool. All right. Thanks. Bye, Take guys. care. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 96.8% chance that their opinions are obsolete. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Having liberty is scary. Why keep it? You aren't using it anyway. 
Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.